Welcome to episode 112 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Pado Clyde Mr. 305 edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co-host Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? I'm doing great, Phil. It's uh, the month of May officially, uh, as of yesterday, and you know what that means. Uh, Indianapolis uh, is going to be the centerfold uh, of attention for both of us. You know, we got the GMR Grand Prix coming up, and then the Indy 500 at the end of the month. Uh, always the most exciting time now. So, um, you know, really fired up for that. But you know, of course, we got to talk about all the other racing that happened this weekend. You know, we had, uh, like you said, Pato Award winning uh, Indy Cars uh, Grand Prix at Alabama, and uh, Chase Elliott winning today on Monday at Dover Motor Speedway and of course Mr. 305 sponsoring uh, Ross Chastain who got into it with Martin Truex Jr. there at the end of that race so you know we got a lot to talk about and you know excited to talk about with you. Yeah absolutely man Uh, going into this weekend we had plenty of racing coming off a huge weekend of racing and then the month of May uh, really leads into what is the greatest uh, greatest day in motorsports you get the Monaco Grand Prix the Indianapolis 500 and then the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, Of course, we'll get into that as the weeks go on. Hopefully, we'll have some people on leading into all of that. But right now, we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about IndyCar. Uh, The month of May is huge. Three races in the month. The first one, of course, Baba Motorsports Park, which saw Paddle Award get his first win of the 2022 campaign. His uh, third win of his career, and uh, Chevrolet continues to dominate. They've won every race. They're four for four in IndyCars this season. First non-Penske Chevrolet to win. Of course, Renus VK qualifying on pole means a non-Penske car uh, Chevy on pole as well. So it is different, uh, which is nice. Get into the Cup Series. Clyde joins all of his teammates. Uh Gives Hendrick Motorsports five wins out of the first 11 races. First time that's ever happened where the all four team drivers in a team has won in the first 11 races, which is probably not a good thing for the rest of the field. Uh, this race at Dover was continuing the trend of Hendrick and Gibbs being up front. Ford definitely didn't have much to show for it. There were cars that were up there, but different things, whether it was tires, strategy, uh, did not fall their way, and um, it looks like Ford's on the back foot again right now as we stand. But who knows? Darlington is a wild card of sorts. You're going to Kansas, and then this yeah the All Star race, which will be an R and D session in a sense, and then which they announced the uh, the format for that. We might get into that here uh, in a little bit as well. Um, we'll also talk about. The Mr. 305, it's a good reference both to the owner of, uh, part owner of Trackhouse Racing and his uh, lead driver in Ross Chastain, but also to the Miami Grand Prix Formula One. We'll preview that here uh, later on. We'll talk about the throwback weekend at Darlington coming up. In between all that, we've got the NFL draft talk. The Jacksonville Jaguars made the number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. Out of Georgia, big uh, night for Georgia um, in general, University of Georgia getting players drafted. Uh, we'll get into what Jacksonville did on Josh's side, what the 49ers did on my side. Debo Samuel still a Niner, even though it doesn't. there's still talk that he may or may not want to be there. The notion is his uh, compatriot, A.J. Brown, set the bar for a contract. 
and he kind of is stuck. So he's lost a little bit of leverage in that sense. And they really aren't going to go and trade him. But we'll get into all that. We'll get into who did good, who did not. In regards to that, in the roundup, IMSA ran at Laguna Seca. They were live on NBC. So that was um, good to see, even though Dave Burns was announcing. Uh, MotoGP, Moto2 were at Jerez uh, this past weekend. And uh, big news came out on Monday, uh, the following day, depending on when you're listening to this. We're doing this on Monday night. That Suzuki will be leaving MotoGP at the end of this year, which leaves their two riders without a ride, at least for now. The rumors, rumor mill uh, seems to point to a former world champion, Joanne Mir, uh, for having a ride, and even uh, his teammate, Alex Rins. But we'll get into that. Charlotte four-wide for the NHRA took place. We had a Top Fuel funny car and Pro Stock motorcycle, and two veterans, of course, one big-time veteran and um, one long-time proponent uh, out there gets wins, and one guy who's came on the scene here in the last few years got a win. Uh, Supercars at Barbagello, Wanneroo, uh, continued the trend of Scott or Shane Van Gisbergen. I say Scott like Scott McLaughlin, but Shane Van Gisbergen destroying uh, in the post-Scott McLaughlin uh, Supercars uh, campaign. WEC at Spa will be uh, happening this coming weekend. 37 cars will be on the list, entry list, and um, for the Spa, uh, six hours. And then they will have the W Series will be starting their 2022 campaign in Miami as a uh, uh, one of the uh, support series to Formula One. So it'll be interesting to see. We'll kind of give you a preview on that and some of the drivers that you probably want to look at if you are so interested in the WEC, or I mean in the W Series. Also, of course, Josh's Sim segment to close the deal before we close it out. So yeah, let's get to IndyCars. The Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama at Baba Motorsports Park. Uh, Five lead changes, only one caution. It was a pretty straightforward race. Renus VK led... 57 laps and but in the end uh he was passed by Pato Award after the second pit stop big move into the hairpin in turn five and uh basically that was the end of it uh you check out my twitter at Phil G Matthew I retweeted that clip that they had on NBC um you know you had uh of course the great Lee Diffie going and giving a great call with that and um but paddle award it's been an interesting year this year you know thinking about what formula one and we're talking about guys that may go to formula one that are coming out of the indycar series everyone was talking about colton herda well you can't forget about paddle award he drives for mclaren and you look at at least one driver at mclaren that generally isn't really performing you would think that he would be a guy that they would look at you also add the fact that you know, the you know, being Mexican driver, they have Sergio Perez and a Mexican driver, but he's an older driver, uh, relatively speaking. He's been around a long time. They need a younger face for the series, and uh, it would be a good look for Formula One. But then they announced that uh, they're going to give a test to Colton Herta, so then things kind of started going weird there. And then the engineers were starting to manipulate or try to insist on making certain calls or decisions 
on the race setup, and it left Pat O'Ward not looking like himself. Well, that kind of went away at Long Beach, and he got his first top five of the year, and now he gets his first win of the year, uh, brings himself back up into the points. Of course, points, uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but he's a contender for this championship. He's going to need another win or a couple more wins to really uh, get himself truly back into this deal. But Pato Award, Renas VK were two guys that had great weekends for sure. Um, I mean, Alex Pillow, the defending series champion, has not missed a beat. Yeah, he hasn't won yet, but he's up there every race. It's it's scary. Uh, it's Scott Dixon level consistent where, okay, I'm not going to win this race, but I'm going to get a top five which means you're going to accumulate points. And when Alex Pillow wins races on top of when he's doing this top fiving business, uh, it's, it's really, really something that um, is impressive, honestly, to see out of um, a driver who is a relatively young driver but is the defending series champion. So you can't really um, put it past him and how good he is and what he's doing. Um, I mean, I'm just going through, like, in practice, Polo was up there, Rossi, the Hondas were up there, the Andretti Hondas were up there, Pato Award, Callum Eilat was having a good weekend, he didn't have a good race, um, Herta, McLaughlin there, you know, you got Grosjean, Polo, Erickson, so the Ganassi cars and the Andretti cars were up there, but it didn't really work out as well in the race itself, and... It it's something when you're considering Honda right now, or you're considering the um, point standings at the moment. It it's tough, but Alex Pillow is up there doing what he has to do to go and defend his series championship. And trying to go and find information here on this website really sucks, but it's not shocking. It's uh, uh, it's IndyCar for you, yeah. So. Alex Pillow, before we get into this recap uh, and throw to you, Josh, I mean, Alex Pillow, after this weekend's race, um, he finished second, Pato Award one, Renus VK third, Will Power four, Scott Dixon fifth, McLaughlin sixth, Grosjean and Green Rehal got into it, and that was interesting. Alexander Rossi and Colton Herta were your top ten. Um, let's see, let's see here. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's basically, you know, New Garden, multiple time winner at at Barber, didn't have the greatest uh, week or greatest weekend. Started seventh, but ended up finishing fourteenth. Uh, lost some ground there. Marcus Erickson finished twelfth, and then kind of everything after that is your usual uh, suspects out there. Um, Kyle Kirkwood had a rough day, uh, finished a lap down. Jimmy Johnson trying to recover from his injury, wrist injury to before the 500. Eilat, of course, spun out and causing only caution. So the finish uh, wasn't indicative of how fast he was during the weekend. Uh, started 11th, so he made the fast 12. Outside of that, I mean, you had, uh, yeah, so basically that was the end of it. You have, of the top seven drivers, they are, you have uh, uh, seven uh, of the top seven drivers. You had seven of the top eight right now, or seven of the top nine in the standings. And so, I mean, the, those are the guys we're going to be looking at. Those are the drivers that, as we get into the Indy Grand Prix, get into the Indianapolis 500, you would 
venture to say that one of that group is going to be up there trying to win this race, uh, win the Indy 500. I mean, Graham Ray Hall, Colton Herta are right there 10th, 11th in points, and Pagano and Rossi, but and even Takuma Sato for that matter. But it's something we will see. So, I mean, Pato Ward gets that victory, a big spot. He's taken over, he's gotten up to fifth in points. Alex Pillow is in finishes second and has taken over the points lead by three over McLaughlin by nine over Joseph Newgarden, ten over Will Power and thirty. It's got a thirty point lead on Paddle Award and thirty one on Scott Dixon. So that's the uh point standings. But Paddle Award, big uh spot here, Josh. Getting that victory, third win of his career, third different type of racetrack he's won at, and sets himself up nicely for the month of May at Indianapolis when um, there'll be a three-car team here in the next couple of weeks uh, with the great Juan Pablo Montoya as their third driver to see if they can go and capitalize on this momentum throughout the month at uh, Indy. Yeah, you said it, you know, Alec, well, not Alex Blow, but he's also doing good, but Pato Award, you know, he's been... um, Doing well as of late, uh, didn't have a great start to the season, and people thought he lost his confidence or something was wrong, but he got a top five at um, Long Beach, and now he's kind of back into it, having won this race at at Barber Motorsports Park, and back into the uh, points championship now, fifth in points, so he's going to have a chance with uh, the Indianapolis Grand Prix and then the Indy 500 to possibly go even higher. especially with uh, the way he's performed on ovals in the past at Indianapolis. Um, he could be a, definitely a threat to win uh, at Indianapolis, and which is uh, extremely important because it is a double points paying race. And then also the GMR Grand Prix at the Indianapolis road course. Um, the last year's edition of this race uh, finished in like 15th, I want to say, but then uh, came back in the fall, won the pole and finished fifth. So uh, he's made some improvements there. So uh, I would look at you know, Pato Award as definitely somebody that could be a threat uh, to win at both uh, races in Indianapolis coming here uh, up in May. So it's going to be interesting to see um, what kind of performance he can put on. And we saw w- what he was able to do at Barber, made that pass on the outside. Um, in the hairpin turn five uh, for uh, him going up against Renus VK. Uh, so, you know, it was a pretty exciting move to, to make. Uh, you know, they had the strategy right, and he was willing to go for it. Um, and he was able to make the move on the outside. Uh, VK tried to defend going low, and then he just took the long way around and was able to get around him there. So um, great, great move, textbook move, uh, and now uh, sets himself up well for the championship, like we said. Um, and then, you know, you talk about Alex Below. Well, uh, yeah, even though he hasn't won yet, he's had an average finish of 3.5. And so he, he's basically been on the podium at every race except for uh, Texas uh, at the Oval. So um, a little bit more improvement on the Oval game there. But, you know, I think he's set up well uh, for Indianapolis. Remember, he finished second in this race and was right up there battling Elio Castroneves for the win uh, at last year's Indy 500. So he's definitely another guy that you have to watch out for at Indianapolis, especially at the end of the race, and especially with uh, you know the way that their team has been able to execute the strategy. You know, they haven't been quite the fastest car, I would say, but they've been able to maximize their uh, position in every race. Uh, I mean, go back to Long Beach. Um, they They weren't up there like initially but then 
they were able to overtake Joseph Newgarden and uh, Colton Herta in the middle of the race. Uh, so, uh, you know, at least until Newgarden was able to get a ride him later in that race. But, you know, he was able to use that strategy to uh, get a, a podium finish out of that race. Uh, so they've, uh, you know, they've been able to maximize their position. And it's very reminiscent of what Scott Dixon has been able to do the last, you know, few years in IndyCar. Seems like his, you know, his talent, his wisdom is beginning to rub off on the number 10 car and the driver. Um, so a lot of balance between uh, both of those uh, drivers at Ganassi there, uh, especially Dixon. I mean, he has been a little quiet this year, but still uh, finished fifth in uh, Barber and still one, one of the top drivers to beat in IndyCar's. Um, Rena's VK is not done quite as well as everybody uh, in this group, but certainly he can be a threat. And last year, remember he won at at uh, GMR Grand Prix last year, so this is uh, you know definitely a, a a race for him coming up uh, to be able to try and win. Uh, so you know expect him to be up there too. Will Power uh, hasn't won yet either, but he's quietly been up there this whole year, um, getting another uh, top five finish. So uh, Penske, uh, you know between their three cars, looks like uh, Scott McLaughlin, Will Power. Um, They've been on it so far this year. Um, Joseph Newgarden, you know, of course, finished 14th and lost the points lead, even though he's only nine points back. So it does show you how quickly things can change in terms of uh, points position, uh, especially uh, in any cars. Um, you know, every week you have to have a, a good finish in order to keep uh, your points lead, or else it, you know, it can quickly evaporate. So definitely, um, you have to finish well so he's used up one of his mulligans here um at this race so we'll have to see what new garden can do at uh the indianapolis road course and of course at the indianapolis 500 which he hasn't won yet in his career uh romain grosjean made a lot of aggressive moves um you know not only he got into it with graham ray hall at the end of that race and they got into a little bit of a argument there but he also got into it with his teammate colton herda early on in the race and ran him off track um basically uh and then, of course, uh, later on, Colton Herta passing back with, I think, just as much aggression as what uh, Grosjean did to him. So um, a lot of uh, aggressive driving coming from Andretti, which is a good thing. Makes it exciting to watch. And, um, you know, Roman's trying to go for it. He's trying to prove himself in IndyCar. And he's trying to uh, get as much as he can out of the car. And if it if it means being aggressive, uh, so be it. And that's, you know, kind of how he's been since he's been in Formula 1 back in 2012. Uh, if you look at you know his history and everything, so uh, bringing a lot of uh, aggression to the series that you know we really really need uh, to see. So um, you know those are my thoughts from the Grand Prix. Um, yeah, it was a pretty straightforward, like you said, but um, it does. There's a lot of major storylines you know that set up uh, each driver for you know where they could end up being here at the end of the month once we finish uh, the Indianapolis 500 and the GMR Grand Prix. You brought up many great points right there, man. I mean the the part about Rena's VK uh, winning the GMR Grand Prix last year is a big one. Getting the pole at Barber per- at another permanent road course, being able to have that positive momentum. He's right on the cusp there. Uh, you brought it up. They're on the next tier. Basically, O'Ward, Dixon, VK, and Roman Grosjean are in their own little mini battle behind the top four, which is Alex Pillow and all the Penske guys. But the fact of the matter is, Rena's VK is at next level. The fact there's just like Joseph Newgarden, it's a matter of when, not if, Rena's VK will get snatched by a Ganassi, by an a Penske or an Andretti um, organization. He's that good, uh, and Ed Carpenter Racing does everything in their power to 
to do well at Indy every time they're there, whether it's on the Indy road course, but especially for the Indianapolis 500. And they usually have some of the fastest vehicles uh, during qualifying. So Rena's VK, like his uh, mentor, the great Harry Lunatic, um, he kind of is fearless, especially at certain racetracks. And I think Indianapolis suits his style. And if they give him a good race car, he had a great race car last year for a good part of the race. Um, it could be a big month for him in his career. Uh, you brought up New Garden. I mean, the only we brought it up previous race. The only thing really missing from his career is at Indy 500. You know, Scott McLaughlin wants it in his second try. Hello in his third try and finishing so close, getting that so close to it a year ago. Powers, a former winner of the race. Pato Award, uh, you know, when you consider him and Colton Hurd, I don't think they're going to be around here for a long, long time. I think eventually one or both of them are not going to be in IndyCar. I think they'll be in Formula One. So, you know, they want that win. But um, uh, Grosjean driving, like doing what he did and pissing off Graham Rahal, um, it's good for TV. Um, Graham gets to get pissed and, it, and it's good fodder. Uh, I would be pissed if I hadn't won a race in four years or whatever the hell it's been for Graham. Um, you know, it's, it's funny with him. He, he's one of the most opinionated guys. Um, and it's part of what, you know, I think there's, there's a fandom for him, but then there's also part of the reason why people are not really into him. Uh, he comes off as kind of whiny and obnoxious, especially when you're the son of a legend. And uh, basically have driven for your dad since 20, what is it, 2013. Um, yeah, 2013 for Graham yeah, Rahal, I think. Great. Yeah, it was 2013 that he moved over to his dad's team uh, permanently because uh, the Ganassi deal went away. Um, and he moved over. He had Midas, big old tires. Yeah. So they weren't, and they weren't really all that good for a couple of years. He had two years where he only had one podium 15 16 17 was like the peak of his career where he won five races and um, finished fourth fifth and sixth in points in those years and then since then he's kind of fallen back to being what he was prior uh finished six in points a couple of years ago in the shortened season due to covid last year was a full year finished seventh right now um, ninth in points, has three top 10 finishes, Texas he wrecked. So right now he's uh, trying to compete. And I know that, you know, tensions are high for him. He wants to do well. And, you know, uh, now he's got another baby on the way with Courtney. So I guess uh, trying to afford new shoes, I don't think he really has a problem with that. Um, but I think he wants to get things going. And I personally, I think it would be funny to be cool to see them fight. I think that we're getting to a point with all these drivers and, and all these kind of like pissy fights. We should just, instead of using cars as weapons, we should just let them punch the crap out of each other. I think it'd be better. Um, yeah, a little bit of any car fight night there. Yeah. You know, whether it's NASCAR with like Gagson and, and, and Ty Gibbs, which I would just love somebody to do a Rick oh, Sam Alter. Sam Ayer with Ty Gibbs. Well, yeah, and, yeah, Sam Ayer and Ty Gibbs, but I want to, I want those two idiots to do it, and then I want like Josh Berry to do a run in and Ric Flair, both of them with a chair, and then just walk out 
and just be like, yeah, and then and everyone would pop. That would be good. Um, I, I would co-sign on that. Um, I would co-sign on that for a bunch of these drivers and all these series. It just, it's just necessary. Uh, but we will see how IndyCar does here, uh, moves into the month of May itself further, and the Indianapolis Grand Prix, the GMR Grand Prix, and then the Indianapolis 500. We'll talk about the GMR Grand Prix next week on the GSP. On to NASCAR, and uh, William Clyde Elliott II joins his teammates at Hendrick Motorsports uh, as a winner in the 2022 season. His second win at Dover. I was at the first win at Dover a few years ago. Uh, but wasn't at this one. I wasn't going to go and drive out there uh, anyway, but then when you have jury duty, you can't really go there either. Um, Chase Elliott wins over Richard in the 47 car, gets himself into the top 30 in points. Ross Chastain in the Dolly Tour 2022 Chevrolet. Uh, Christopher Bell, Alex Bowman, your top five. Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch. Chris Buescher, who qualified on pole, was the best Ford. Kevin Harvick and Eric Jones, your top 10. Justin Haley uh, finished 11th, one of his better runs of the year. Martin Truex was 12th. Uh, Chase Briscoe finished 13th. And, uh, and let's see here. Of other people, Brad Keselowski scored a stage point in stage one, but then fell back. Uh, was running up in the top 10 for a while, but ended up kind of getting swallowed up. Uh, lost a lap in that last long run. Denny Hamlin uh, won stage one, then in the pit stop after the stage, they left the wheel loose. So his day was basically ruined after that. He'll lose Gabe Hart, his tire changer, and the Jackman for the next four weeks, which is the first, I think, the biggest name so far this year that's lost all of that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think there's been I mean, a few Bubba Wallace was probably the biggest one before that. I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, they, they've had a bunch of issues at 2311 and that's, that's a whole separate discussion. We could do a good 30 minute segment on how, what's going on with the 23 and that organization in general. Uh, while you have the maggot idiots all saying that he sucks and they doesn't belong and they don't deserve a run and all that shit too. But yeah, as uh, if their voice actually matters. Yeah, it's because they're real geniuses themselves. And they go and listen to a network, and that tells them how they're supposed to think. They listen to a trust fund baby who's, yeah, fuck them. Uh, William Byron uh, finished 22nd, had a rough weekend, wrecked his car in practice, so uh, didn't really have the best weekend. Then you have uh, Harrison Burton actually scored a stage points. Uh, but finished 24th. Ryan Priest started 13th, uh, had a really fast race car. I don't think it was indicative. His finish it wasn't indicative of how good his car was uh, today. And then Ryan Blaney won stage two and then I think cut a tire down. So that was uh, part of what ended him. The Penske team finished. Harrison Burton was the best finishing Penske car in 24th. Blaney 26th. Joey Logano, 29th, and Austin Sindrick finished dead last uh, after a crash and uh, the DVP. So, yeah, Clyde wins, solidifies his points lead because he had the overall points lead going into this race. And now he's joined his teammates as a winner in the season 
five out of the first 11 races have been won by Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, I can remember a few years ago when Hendrick Motorsports was on the back foot and they weren't as competitive as they had been for decades on end. And people may have said that the new car could have given some other teams an opportunity to catch up. That's happened in the sense of, I think, track house, um, RCR to a little, to a sense. I think even uh, you could look at colleague. So the two, two of the newest teams in the sport have really benefited from it. And then RCR, I think as well, but they're all Chevy teams. Uh, but in the end of the day, the two biggest teams have, right now that have been the case for the last few years, Hendrick and Gibbs, dominated. The last few weeks has followed that trend. The dirt was the exception, but Hendrick and Gibbs basically doing what they've been doing for a while and Clyde uh, starting his um, campaign for a second championship. Uh, to do something even his dad didn't do in the Cup Series, uh, get a, as we move to the throwback weekend when his dad's actually going to be announcing. So that'll be the thing of it is. So they'll be able to we'll get to hear about uh, Bill Elliott calling races. So that'll be great. Yeah, definitely. A, you know, a lot of things he said there, and you talk about the the teams dominating. I mean, I, I think with Chevy in general, they've kind of figured out how to work together between and collaborate between all you know their major teams. You know, between uh, you know now Colleg Racing and uh, Gibbs or not Gibbs, but but Hendrick and uh, RCR uh, Trackhouse too. Yeah, which you know formerly one half of that team was formerly R- or uh, CGR. So uh, definitely you know all the collaboration seems to be coming to head now up to the forefront and you're able to see uh what the result of that is uh this year so they definitely figured it out Ford, you know i think they um they had kind of that idea a few years ago and now it seems like they kind of gotten behind the curve uh for whatever reason uh but uh they're clearly behind and then toyota somehow still uh you know they were kind of uh in flux as well you mean half of joe gibbs racing was you know, doing well. And then the other half of Joe Gibbs racing wasn't doing, uh, so much, you know, with the, uh, the 18 and, and the 20, probably the last couple of years haven't been really great, but then, uh, the 11 and the 19 have been kind of on point so far. Now it's starting to kind of flip around, but I mean, they've all been kind of, uh, up there with the Chevys as well this year. Uh, but, uh, you know, with Chase Elliott now winning, you know, we only have uh, seven spots left uh, in this uh, playoffs uh, for, you know, people to get uh, qualified for a spot. And a lot of good names still haven't won yet. You know, you have Ryan Blaney, um, Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano, uh, Chris Bell, uh, Kevin Harvick, uh, who hasn't won in a long time, uh, uh, still out there. I mean, even guys that have been performing well and would make it in on points like Tyler Reddick, uh, you know, I mean, I'll throw in Austin Dillon as well. I mean, the same organization, Daniel Suarez, uh, Kurt Busch. Uh, so a lot of good names still out there that haven't won yet and that, that could potentially win uh, by, you know, the end of this year or, you know, by the end of the regular season and fill up the um, those seven spots. And, I mean, I see probably six of those spots could be filled up uh you know, before the end of the year and we have our, the regular season and then a, a fight on points for the last spot to get in. Uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking right now is going to happen. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think got to see some more of these teams uh, fight for wins. I mean, of course, right now Chevy's dominating. So especially the Fords, they've got to get it together and, uh, you know, figure out a way to bring cars that can be there at the end uh, of these races. But as far as Dover itself, I mean, uh, a lot of wrecks, a lot of cautions, um, definitely things that, uh, you know, happened, 
uh, throughout the race, um, whether it was contact from other, you know, other cars and, uh, getting into crashes you know, you saw, uh, Kurt Busch get tight in, t- in the middle of turn two, uh, and get wrecked by AJ Allmendinger, nothing Allmendinger could do, but definitely, a um, you know, another incident for the 45 card now has, uh, four finishes, um, the last couple of races where he, you know, finished poorly. Uh, so, you know, definitely not, not a good sign for that team. Um, a lot of spins, Kyle Larson, uh, spun, uh, in the middle of the race, uh, coming off of turn four, uh, Danny Hamlin, uh, got into it with Cody Ware, uh, couldn't avoid him there, uh, who, you know, actually with Hamlin, I, I think he probably had the best car, uh, of the field, uh, led 67 laps and then it kind of came apart after the penalty with the tire falling That's off, real. but. Uh, but then at the same time, he was able to make it back up to fourth place before getting crashed. Uh, so, uh, and yeah, still only finished 21st. Yeah, so still only finished 21st. So, uh, he was able to somewhat recover, but of course, it's still a hit in terms of uh, finishing position and points uh, value there. Um, so, I mean, I feel like maybe he had the best car, but, you know, of course, wasn't able to show it. And then Kyle Bush, you know, ended up leading the most laps, uh, you know, but, you know, wasn't able to be there up front at the end. And I, th- I think, I think maybe track position still might be key, but not as key as it was in the last couple of years at Dover. Um, but, you know, definitely still, um, something to look out for. And, you know, people were noting online, like Matt Weaver noting the, uh, the tire, uh, a lot of three wide racing using the, uh, top groove, uh, to pass. So, um, it seems like is maybe better than, uh, the race was better than, um, the, what, you know, we've had the last couple of years. So, uh, at least it's somewhat improved, I think, in my opinion, based off of watching the highlights, uh, in, you know, on, on this race. So, you know, definitely, uh, a, maybe a step in the right direction, but, um, is, you know, how far that is, I mean, not really sure because, um, Dover is still Dover at the end of the day. So definitely, um, a lot, a little bit better than what we've seen the past couple of years, uh, with the gen six versus this new, uh, next gen car. Um, so it was a, you know, pretty wild day or days, of course, you know, with yesterday and then the rain going into today. So, uh, you know, made, made for some pretty interesting racing, uh, nonetheless. So, uh, we'll see, you know, what happens now as the series goes to Darlington and you know, we'll talk about those throwback schemes later on in the show. Yeah. I mean, Dover, you wonder, I mean, I wonder as a Northeast guy, how long Dover will be on the calendar. Marcus Smith was at the racetrack scanning people in, uh, whether that's a token gesture, or they're actually serious about making it work there. They've been reduced to one race because of Nashville Super Speedway. At the end of the day, we don't need Nashville Super Speedway um, on the calendar once they go back to Nashville Fairgrounds probably next year. Um, But will that mean they'll give another race to Dover? Will they do like the doubleheader thing? I don't think they could really do it at Dover. I think Pocono, it made a little more sense. Uh, We're taking away races from the Northeast, so I'm worried about that. The race today wasn't bad. Um, it's a tough race. They don't give enough sets of tires now in the cup series, which is weird. Um, when you consider the kind of money they have in there, but, uh, you could hear Larry McReynolds talking about it where he's like, Oh, you know what? I'd stay out. I'd stay out. Everyone was bitten. I guess everyone had tires, but the tires were an issue. Bad year did not bother to test the test these tires and they didn't bother to test this track. Um, but the race itself, they were able to widen the groove out, which is great. You're able to run two, three different lines out there. You're able to dime in the corner. You're able to run low. You're able to run high. 
that we haven't had that with the Gen 6 car. So that's nice. Um, I'm it's I think with a lot of these races, it's cautious optimism, uh, you know, with what we're going to see, because a lot of the races have been really good. The short track racing has been awful um, for the exception of the dirt. Uh, the actual paved short track races have been garbage. I mean, Martinsville is because it's balls cold. Richmond sucked and it was cold. And then the Phoenix race, I mean, minus my own personal bias, was not a great race. But I mean, then it's I don't consider Phoenix to be a short track anymore in the Cup Series. But it's it's a it's a flat track and it's under I guess a mile and a quarter, which kind of goes and goes. Uh, takes out gateway in that sense. And when you look at the um, tracks, they are, but I, I hear you on that, but uh, the certain types of tracks, I think banked racetracks, they need to be banked racetracks for this car to work. So it may be an issue at some of these SMI tracks where, well, mainly it's Texas where they have the two stupid, the two different corners. Um, But if you maybe Charlotte, I there could be a possibility of a 600 that actually is interesting, which would probably be the first 600 that's been interesting in about, I don't know, a decade um, or so. Um, I think that's part of it. You have to have bank corners you need to have, or you need to have hard braking zones with good temperature to be able to build up tire temp, uh, which Gateway I think will have during the day. Uh, so, I mean, I, I hope Dover stays. For multiple reasons. People hate Dover for many reasons. I'll say, oh, Dover, it rains all the time there. Well, if TV wasn't so fucking retarded with the way they go and do business because, oh, we need West Coast viewers. It's like newsflash assholes. West Coast viewers watch NASCAR. The people that wanted to watch NASCAR watch NASCAR at 12 at 9 o'clock in the morning on the West Coast for decades because the races started at 12 noon. There was never a problem. The only the, the only people that have made it a problem are Fox and NBC because they're yeah. Well, it's that the same reason why we were racing at the LA Coliseum. Yeah, we're at the LA Coliseum because we need to go and destroy race cars and uh, run in a quarter mile track so we can have a demolition derby. And essentially, you know, the racing itself was non competitive, uh, wasn't amazing, and they just made it a demolition derby with a brand new car. Um, but we're going to keep on going there because now we're going to go to stadium style racing. It sounds like Ben Kennedy, um, is going to be a big part of that. And they're with the SOD and Steve Phelps, so they can have a new three stooges and they're going to go around the world and we're going to run stadium series. Like we're bullshit Mickey Thompson with no entertainment. Uh, I wonder how much money all those teams are going to be getting to have to haul their crap across the across the world. But uh, you know, they, I there there should be more of a uh, pull towards putting effort into building a good product here, and also looking at how to truly bring fans in. You lose, like I mean, it's a tangent. You lose me as a fan of wanting to go to a race. When you're starting a race at 3.30 in the afternoon or 3.15, if you're telling me 12.15 and it takes three, four hours, I can, I'll give my hour and change for traffic. I could go and get on the bar and put the barbecue up, eat something, relax, chill out, BS with some people. And by the time I dump everything out, clean everything up, put it away, I'll be on the road. I can get home in four hours from Dover. I can get home in two hours from Pocono, two and a half hours, whatever. If you start the race at the right time 
you're trying to bring fans in. By starting races later, you're basically taking away people. But the reality is, even with that, the crowd at Dover this year might have been the biggest crowd at Dover I've seen in a long, long time, which speaks to it being in the Northeast, which speaks to the kind of fans that show up to races. Northeast fans show up to races, and whether that's Dover, I mean, now for Dover for the first time in a long time. A Pocono, which I'm a big proponent of because of the fan experience and the way they treat people there. It's one of the only independent tracks that are left. Watkins Glen and New Hampshire. That's that's it. You could get you can get kind of crazy and say Richmond, but Richmond has kind of gone to hell um, in regards to the product for the last few years. Between the Gen 6 car, the way the track is, there has to be something has to change there. Um, but in regards to all these other tracks, people love Watkins Glen going there. The racing's usually intense and usually there's a lot of wrecks. So people love that. Um, but it's a great road course. It's one of the greatest road courses ever. Uh, New Hampshire. Now they only have one day to get there. They're also in one day track, but they the same as SMI. They try their best. I guess they do a decent job of, of marketing it. Um, they probably need to remove more stands, but that's a difficult track, but they start the race too late. Last year's race is a perfect example. They started it so late, they drove right into rain to where they wrecked the top two cars in the race uh, because of the rain. And then the race was ended due to darkness because of the same stupidity. Um, you need to start these races earlier, if especially if there's no lights at the racetrack. Um, I don't give a fuck what these idiot people that run these networks think. I mean, that's my, the reason why I have this show and I'm not one of them. But the point is... You need if you if the track doesn't have lights, you should be starting a race at one o'clock, one thirty. We're not the NASCAR is not competing with baseball or not competing with anybody right now. Start the race at a reasonable hour. Let the fans show up, do their thing, take the weather out. To be fair, Phil Spain, uh, multiple guest here on the show, was at the track. It was sunny at the racetrack for three hours before they started the damn race. They could have had half of the race done. If they without the stupidity of their the the stage cautions and the whole shit that all the other gimmicks they had, they could have had half the race done. They could have been out of there on yesterday. But it's NASCAR and and, and it's a TV. That's the only reason why they're there on on Monday afternoon. And they screw people out of they screw a good amount of the crowd from coming back. They screw people who couldn't sit here uh, to watch it. Uh, it's it's idiotic it's moronic it's ridiculous it's why you're losing fans um they're lucky that this car has made it a little bit more of a, a little bit more parody um, and you have some guys like ross chastain that are interesting characters because you're doing the same shit that you've been doing for years and putting people off by doing what you're doing right now uh with that uh yeah i mean elliot points leads 50 uh, over Ryan Blaney. So that's huge in this points format. Basically, he's got a race lead on Ryan Blaney, 65-point lead on William Byron and Kyle Busch, 69-point lead on Alex Bowman in fifth. So three uh, Hendrick cars in the top five. Ross Chastain is 80 points out in sixth, but, of course, he has two wins. And second most uh, playoff points, Truex is seventh, Larson eighth. Those drivers, those are all... Drivers within 83 points of the lead. Joey Logano's in his own world, 102 points back. Christopher Bell, Eric Almirola, Kevin Harvick, Chase Briscoe uh, are all in a little battle of themselves. 
Uh, amongst that group, of course, Chase is, is the only one that has won. And then um, Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, you're 16, uh, top 16 in points. But right now, um, Austin Sendrick and Denny Hamlin would bump the two RCR guys out uh, out of the playoff. You know, Reddick, we can get into whether should have won at Bristol and all that. Right now, the 2311 drivers are 20th and 21st, and their car owner or part owner is 23rd in points. And the only reason he's in the playoff is because he won at Richmond. That's something to look at. When you look at uh, the other Gibbs cars are 4th, 7th, and 10th in points, it's been a rough year (laughs) for Denny Hamlin, for sure. Something we have to look at, especially going to one of his better racetracks at Darlington here uh, Darlington and Kansas, two of his better racetracks in the next couple of weeks. In the Xfinity Series, it was a uh, junior motorsports benefit. Uh, Josh Berry um, gets the win, so that was cool. It was nice, for good for the world. The A-game 200 sees Josh Berry get his first win at Dover. Uh, led 55 laps, last 55 laps. Of the race, Justin Allgaier dominated, really. Won one stage, finished second the other. Sam Mayer won the first stage. So it was an RCR benefit for RCR car. I mean, RCR, yeah, junior motorsports cars. Four junior motorsports cars in the top five. Barry, Allgaier, Gibbs, Gagson, Mayer, your top five. A.J. Allmendinger, sixth. Brandon Jones, seventh. Sheldon Creed, eighth. Herps, ninth. Ryan Sieg. 10th driving the race sponsor's car. Um, Hemrick scored stage points in the second stage, only finished 11th. Austin Hill, stage points in stage two, finished 14th. And then John Hunter Nemechek scored stage points in stage one, but uh, had issues, crashed, and uh, had to park because of brakes, brake issues. The other car that had a brutal uh, day, Raja Karuth, qualified 15th, driving for Alpha Prime, uh, spun out, had some hit the wall, and ended up finishing dead last, but qualified 15th. Great pace. He's the ARCA points leader right now, so somebody to look at as we go along. But as it stands, I mean, uh, you had three guys that led the majority of the race, Bruckshot Jones, Allgaier, of course, led the most laps, and Barry led the last 55 laps. Him and uh, Justin Allgaier were getting into it a little bit, giving a little bit of argy-bargy to each other, as Lee Diff- or, as uh, Calvin Fish would like to say, uh, before you even get to the GSP roundup. Uh, but Josh Barry gets his first win of the year, Josh. Josh. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, prevents the DBC car from winning, which I think would have been insufferable. To be fair, uh, if that card won, because then we'd have to hear uh, Potter Brett, TJ Richards, Brett, Brett Griffin talk about how great he is, and um, and I mean Freddie's drunk all the time, so it's whatever. I mean TJ has no personality. It seems like he has no pulse most of the time, unless it's a super speedway, and then that's probably why Dale Jr. yelled at him all the time. And then you have, and then you have Freddie who. Him and and Bob are like a married couple, so they yell. They just have this like argue, they argue with each other all the time. And then you add the fact that the twenty three eleven team is a cluster right now. So he's he's like a 
he he's got like some PTSD, so he just drinks, so he doesn't give a fuck. It would be about it's really about Brett Griffin if they had won that race. I mean, no offense to Justin Allgaier. I mean, he's already has to deal with being a short guy, um, and and shorter than his wife and all that. But I'm just glad Josh Berry won. Uh, it's good for the world. Um, it was a junior motorsports benefit, and it's it's a bad sign for the rest of the field uh, if they can do that regularly because i mean right now i i don't like everybody knows i don't like gagson but he's won multiple raises all has been at this for many years he's gonna win mayor is on the cusp of winning he's got the talent he's got the ability he's proven that over time barry is that quiet understated he's just gonna do his thing he's gonna get his points he's the old school guy a lot of the other guys get into, into crap and, and run into each other and get into slap fights with each other. Josh Berry's just going to sneak in there, and he's going to go and get that championship. I picked him to win this championship. Uh, bias aside, I, I, he's the guy I root for in this series. But he has the abilities. won the national championship in NASCAR, in um, you know, NASCAR Weekly Racing Series or whatever. So um, to you, Josh... Talking about the other one that's uh, pretty damn good at driving a race car. He picked his his daughter up. It was funny. Tossed her up in the air, and she freaked out and had to hand her back to his wife uh, before the uh, the terrible, the obligatory front stretch interview. Uh, first win of the year for him, uh, setting himself up for a big month of May and possibly some more opportunities to gain ground uh in this uh 2022 Xfinity series campaign. Yeah, Josh Berry of course uh won this race and I think you picked him uh to win this race. And of course you already picked him to win the championship. So you're starting to look good here in Xfinity series, I guess and have to be right once win. in a while. I'm not yeah. really good at all these picks. Your algorithm's way better than I am. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll give give myself credit there, but um uh, you know, I think with uh, Josh Berry and I think Junior Motorsports as a whole, I mean, I think one of the reasons why they're, I mean, it's not a knock against them, but, you know, I think one of the reasons why that they're uh, really good this year is the fact that a lot of the talent in the Xfinity Series from the last couple of years has moved on to the Cup Series. You know, you talk about, like, Austin Sendrick, now a rookie in the Cup Series full-time. Uh, Chase Briscoe, you know, finally won a race in the Cup Series. Uh, Justin Haley, I mean, wasn't really, you know, that competitive in Xfinity, but, you know, you could always count on him on the Super Speedways at the very least, and now he's in... Uh, in the cup series. So, you know, a lot of these big names, uh, that have, you know, been around the last couple of years, you know, young talent, they're now graduating onto the cup series and then moves on yeah, as it moves on. You know, you have all these other drivers begin to fill in those gaps and, you know, we've seen Josh Berry, uh, come out, you know, last year and win, uh, even though he was kind of a part-time driver, now he's won once again. Um, and then, you know, you have the rest of his teammates who are winning races. So you've got, uh, junior motorsports, you know, beginning to look like that team, uh, especially, you know, a four car organization uh, that can share data amongst themselves and continue to get better. And, you know, they have a lot of engineering support from uh, Hendrick Motorsports and everything. So when you factor all that in, it's not really a surprise that, you know, they've looked like the best team overall so far uh, to start the year in Xfinity. And you know, on the other side, you know, you have uh, 
Colic Racing, who you know for the last couple of years has been uh, one of the teams to beat in Xfinity, and um, you know especially last year uh, as the year went on. And so far this year, AJ Allmendinger has not really uh, been all that great. I mean, he's leading the points uh, right now, but you know he hasn't really shown up as far as you know leading laps and uh, being up front in these races. So uh, you know definitely I uh, think um, you know he still has uh, some work to do for Colic, you know especially uh, teammate Daniel Herrick the defending series champion in this series and um and you know hasn't really done a whole lot either so uh when you think about it um there's always going to be the possibility of of uh the junior motorsports cars uh dominating the series and that's what it's looking like so far you know we talked about on the individual level uh ty gibbs you know he's been the most successful driver so far this year but you can only go so far with him because uh joe gibbs you know they um only have a couple of cars to rely on in this uh series you know brandon jones not really the best driver even though he's uh starting to you know come into his own in this series but he's gonna probably end up being a lifer in this series just like uh justin algar so um there's some limitations there maybe with uh toyota but you know junior motorsports they uh starting to figure it out here this year in uh, xfinity and we could see a junior motorsports car go out and win the championship for uh the first time in a couple years with uh you know back i think tyler reddick back in uh 2018 uh or 2017 leading uh the champion winning the championship for uh dale jr in, in this uh organization so uh you know they they've begun to figure it out so we'll see as we you know go on the rest of this month we'll see how they do at uh darlington you know they've been pretty good especially the seven been pretty good at uh darlington raceway so you know we'll see as a team how they do going into next week as uh, they have uh, all their throwback cars on the track yeah and i mean junior motorsports there was a time when they'd win the xfinity championship every year uh the nine car with uh, dave ellens whether it was clyde uh you had you had uh, William Byron and Tyler Reddick all won championships. It's part of the reason why I don't get what the big deal is with Noah Gagson. Uh, when you consider all those guys won championships, and and he Clyde finished in the final four uh, the second year uh, as he was preparing to take over for Jeff Gordon. So it's part of the reason why Dave Owens is the forty three crew chief and why that team, albeit help with a big assist from Maury Gallagher and GMS has taken a major step forward. It goes back to Josh's point with the whole Chevy collaboration too. Uh, and why Eric Jones, it sounds like might be signing back with that team. They definitely need an upgrade in the other car, but in regards to the 43 car, they have the right combination there. And Dave Allen's is winning races there and stuff. So now uh, I forget who they hired in the, with the uh, nine team uh, to take over as a crew chief, bringing it up here. Just give me a second. Luke Lambert. Yeah. So Luke Lambert guy who's been in the cup series, finished second in points and he's with Gagson. And it seems like that's a good combination. Maybe it's a better combination uh, than um, Ellen's and him uh, might be something in regards to the point standings there. They got three of the top seven or four of the top seven. You have the two Gibbs cars, as Josh mentioned, and then A.J. Allmendinger has been the most consistent driver of the season. He has a 43-point lead, so essentially a full race. We're getting to that point. A full race lead on Gibbs and Gagson, and they have six wins so far amongst that group and 10 starts, and nine of the 10 have been won by Xfinity regulars. 
the exception, of course, was uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Cold Custard, in the drive in the 08 car for SS Greenlight, uh, the only highlight of his year. It's been a pretty ugly year for him. And I mean, right now, yeah, yeah, those guys. Sam Mayer, yeah, Ryan Sieg is eighth in points. He's 10 points behind Sam Mayer and 10 points ahead of Riley Herbst. They're both Stuart Haas. They get, they get equipment from Stuart Haas Racing, and then Riley Herbst, of course, is a Stuart Haas Racing driver. And um, Lanny Castle, Daniel Hemrick are the last two cars in the cutoff right now in the top 12. Hemrick, the defending series champions, won two stages. Both are at Daytona. He struggled in the Xfinity car relative to what he's done in a cup car. Um, A.J. Allmendinger's looked great in the cup car most of the weeks that he's been in that car, too. So it kind of tells you uh, maybe Colleg Racing's putting a lot more energy into the cup effort than they are the Xfinity side, and it might be hurting them overall. Might be something to look at as we get into the summer months as well, if both Landon Castle and Daniel Hemrick are on that cutoff and are struggling but both of them are up there the cars that are outside of the the cutoff you know you have a bit of the drivers for hour the three hour motorsports cars uh brandon brown sheldon creed for rcr as a rookie those are the ones that i think those are really you you get past that it's really those five alex LeBay hasn't run every race he's not going to get a waiver so he's out um, Myatt Snyder is going to need a miracle. Um, Jeremy Clements, essentially, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, Jeremy Clements would have to pull one out of his ass to make the playoffs. Uh, same way as Myatt Snyder did at Homestead last year. He became he was completely non-existent otherwise. Um, so that's really where it's at um, in regards to the playoff situation i mean even joe i mean look at joe graf jr he's somehow another 22nd he's behind jj haley at uh in and the mbm team uh but of course the mbm team does it with like a third of the the funding that he has um and he's doing it in a car the same car that cole custer won in and well his teammate usually is uh, what's his name? David Starr, who's like 186 years old. I don't even think he can see anymore because he brings out a caution every race. Same as usually Joe Graf Jr. It's a waste of equipment. It's a shame. Uh, the Fords are just like not non-existent in NASCAR altogether, and they're not in, existent in HRA too. So I don't know where the hell Ford does anything. Uh, it's pretty weak. Uh, if you if you hate Ford, then I guess it's a great time for you. If you're rooting for Ford because you really don't have any other choice, and like in in some ways, I mean, I'm a Ford guy, but I'm a Mopar guy too. I don't have a choice. Uh, it sucks, but we'll uh, look into what happens there. Darlington, we'll talk about that here shortly. The Mahindra Roxor 200 at Darlington amongst the NASCAR Triple Header weekend coming at Darlington Raceway. Let's get into some foosball. Um, we have uh, nine teams in the in the Fall Brawl League. Going to have ten. So um, got to see about some changes we might make to the scoring and standings. But uh, we have to see if uh, Josh will be a homer and draft Trayvon Walker at some point during the fantasy draft since he's the number one overall pick. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Trent Balky did his thing. 
picking the athlete, picking the guy who the the guy who might have more potential instead of the one that might be the given uh, the so-called like sure thing. Uh, there was a comparison to this pick back uh, 11 years ago, and the 49ers picked Alden Smith. And there were some guys they passed over that were that are still in the league or like legitimately great players. And Alden Smith, to be fair, for the first two years of his career, was insane. And then he started doing drugs. Um, that's the same kind of thing here, passing on Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, to be fair, the Jacksonville Jaguars, when they were good here five years ago, had the best defensive line in the NFL, I think. You had one of the best defenses, period. And you almost made the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles as your quarterback. Um, yeah, man, high haters. <laughs> which would have been akin to what Chicago did with Rex Grossman or Baltimore with Trent Dilfer or Tampa with Brad Johnson. Uh, to the level of suck is high. Uh, but you were right there, got to New England, you lost to the GOAT, both as both the greatest player of all time and the greatest coach of all time. Um, and since then, it's been a rough t- rough period. Um, but I think the turnaround is coming along here for you guys, and it was a big weekend for you uh, in the NFL draft. Uh, what did you think of what your, guy, what your team did and what Doug Peterson is going to have to work with here in his first season at the helm of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, I mean, first off, you know, you talk about uh, me in the Fall Brawl League being a homer and picking up uh, Trayvon Walker. Uh, we'll have to see. I, I think maybe I uh, could see him as a waiver wire pickup uh, later in the year, but uh, we'll see. I mean, it depends on what he looks like in training camp and preseason, um, uh, but that's uh, pretty pretty mighty to pick him in the, the draft when there are plenty of other guys uh, just like him. But, I mean, we'll see. And then, you know, second of all, you know, already putting me back into my feels there with uh, talking about the AFC championship game, which now is almost five years ago and, and already seems like a long time ago, even though it seems like it was only yesterday and everything. But, um, you know, now this draft, you know, we it's got, been, it's been like 30, it's getting to 30 years, 28 years since the Niners won 20, 28 years since the Niners won a Super Bowl. So, yeah, know, I mean, me but you've that. guys had, you've guys had playoff runs and everything the last couple of years. Um, so, at least playoff runs don't matter when when you're a 49er <laughs> well you don't used to be a jets fan so i mean well whatever. i mean that, that that's because of the local thing to be fair and chad pennington herman edwards they did some good work it wasn't you know wasn't meant to be we had Vinny testaverde get a get the jets to the afc championship game in 98 against the great denver broncos and 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 the horse face lunatic that is John Elway and Terrell Davis and there was no way they were going to beat him and then Bill Parcells fat ass quit um because he had to go to the buffet um and didn't want to do the job and then basically sabotaged Jets like he sabotaged so many places in his career but all right I'll let you go on that no I mean it's fine but um, I mean, as far as this draft goes, I mean, like you said, uh, drafting Trayvon Walker uh, overall number one, even though he wasn't the maybe the best, I wouldn't say the best fit, but, you know, he definitely didn't have the same type of resume that Aiden Hutchinson had. But, I mean, with Aiden Hutchinson, um, I mean, yeah, he maybe was the best overall player based on the resume and the stats and everything. Um, maybe he just doesn't, you know, have the same type of uh, 
I guess, you know, animal player type uh, traits in him, like uh, Trayvon Walker, you know, I mean that, you know, of course, in a good way, you know, being a beast on, on the field and everything. But, um, you know, I think um, Trayvon Walker has a lot more potential than uh, Aiden Hutchinson. And you can um, kind of see that in the Jacks thinking they definitely are projecting him to be a, a really good uh, player at the at the NFL level uh, compared to, you know, what he did in college. And so it's definitely a, a projection there because, um, you know, last year with Trevor Lawrence, you know, if you're drafting someone overall, uh, number one overall like Trevor Lawrence, they've got to, you know, basically be the next great thing. Like uh, he was, you know, the next great Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck type of player, whereas I don't think that comparison uh, was ever really made for Aiden Hutchinson. Um, and I think there were a lot more uh, players um, that Trayvon Walker had traits from uh, who are, you know, in the Hall of Fame or uh, ended up being really good uh, in their careers uh, that Trayvon Walker matched up to compared to Aiden Hutchinson and don't have, I, there, there's a comparison on Twitter, which I don't have on me right now, but um, I think there's a lot better players that Trayvon Walker matched up to who, you know, went, went on to have successful uh, careers as linebackers or defensive ends compared to uh, tr- uh Aiden Hutchinson. So that's the, you know, the story there with the first overall pick. And then of course they shocked me and actually traded back into the first round at pick number 27 and got Devin Lloyd out of um, uh, Utah. And uh, I mean, that's a pretty interesting pick there. Uh, But um, a lot of people, you know, they weren't sure about, you know, picking a linebacker uh, there at that position, but solidifies the uh, position uh, for the Jaguars you know, at at that level and definitely liked when he came out uh, onto the stage and, you know, they interviewed him and he gave out the Duval at the very end uh, right there. He's already a real one in my book. So uh, knew how to uh, do it right off the bat. So he's going to fit right uh, well in here and up in Duval. So, you know, uh, glad to have him. He's definitely going to be a a beast of a player as well. Um, I think the other big takeaway is how heavily they leaned on defense in this draft. Um, you know, and then compared to what they needed to do offensively, I mean, they replaced uh, Brandon Lehner, it seems like, at center, drafting another center in the third round. Um, so looks like maybe that hole might be filled. Um, but then they didn't pick wide receiver, which was the biggest, maybe one of the, the biggest needs that this team had, especially for Trevor Lawrence. They still need uh, that big uh, wide receiver on the outside who can go up and get it. Uh, they don't really have that type of player on the team. Um, you know, you've you've got Christian Kirk, who's basically a slot receiver. Marvin Jones is a good uh, number two possession receiver. Um, I don't really know how well Zay Jones is going to uh, pan out. He seems like he's going to be the solid like number four guy. Uh, Lavisca Chenault's another slot type who can play on the outside, but um, he doesn't play as well in the out. I mean, he can't play well if uh, I guess he scheme it up right, but um, and he definitely performs better as a slot uh, type receiver, kind of like uh, Debo Samuel, but. Um, in that type of that type of role, of course, but um, they didn't go out and you know get like that Allen Robinson type of player that they had a few years ago. Even somebody like DJ Chark, who's a big guy and fast, they didn't uh, go out and replace him uh, th- this off season adequately. I think uh, so. There's still a hole there. We'll see what happens. Although you know you talk about uh, Doug Peterson's offensive philosophy. Um, they didn't really focus a lot of resources on wide receiver while he was the coach of the Eagles. And a lot of, uh, their investments went into, uh, some other positions like, uh, running back and tight end. So we'll see what happens, uh, for, uh, the Jags with, uh, coach Doug Peterson. Now the, the guy, uh, running a team on, you know, with the coaching and everything. So uh, excited to see what happens in the off season as we go forward towards training camp and, you know, what, you know, 
what the team is going to look like um, from the highlights that the uh, you know the team puts out and everything, and then as we go into preseason, what it's going to look like. So um, I think they picked overall solid players in this draft, but. Um, I don't know if they filled in all the needs that they needed, especially with as many movement that went on in the wide receiver position this offseason via trades. And then in the draft, when a bunch of teams were trading up to pick wide receivers in the first round. Yeah, and that's something that uh, you look at some of the teams that may have gotten caught out on the wide receiver run that took place. I mean, Atlanta went with Drake London at eight. And that kind of started a deal there. Detroit went from 32 to 12 to go and um, get, um, why am I forgetting his name? Detroit went and got um, Jamison Williams, who had an ACL. Um, That was there. It was interesting. Once the run started, people were getting really aggressive. That was part of what was fun in the first round. We moved really quick. Uh, There was big trades, of course, Philadelphia, made the big trade with Tennessee and got A.J. Brown and then gave him $100 million over four years. But really, it's $57 million guaranteed, which set a blueprint for Debo Samuel in regards to a contract that he will probably get in a couple months' time, whether he wants to be mad about it or not or whatever the hell he wants to do. He can go and sit home and bitch and moan, but he's going to be a 49er. Um, because they ain't trading him. I have the Jets, and that's that's another thing. And before I get into the Niners, the fact is the Jets, everyone was saying he was going to go there. And the Jets, at number four, pick Sauce Gardner, who's one of the best corners, maybe the best corner in this draft. And then at 10, which was where everybody thought uh, the Jets would go and trade, they would have traded that pick in 35 I think 10, 35, and a pick next year, maybe a player on top of it, uh, would have been the move to go and pick up Debo Samuel. They end up picking Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, which was huge in regards to Zach Wilson's development. That offense with Mike LaFleur at the helm, trying to go and give Zach Wilson more opportunities because last year was was a disaster for him. Uh, they had great. They had a great running game, uh, but they added to said running game with Brees Hall in the second round. Um, they also went and got Jermaine Johnson traded back in the first round and got Jermaine Johnson, who slipped. People were talking about him as a top ten draft pick. Fell all the way to twenty six. Might have been the best draft the Jets have ever had in the first round. Um, going back all the years, I remember when the Jets had the four first rounders back in the year 2000 uh, uh was it new york jets 2000 yeah and that was that was a a year where they had four first rounders they drafted Sean Ellis, John Abraham, uh Chad Pennington and Anthony Beck the tight end and then when you consider and you add all those guys are big time players John Abraham Ended up leaving the team, uh, go to Atlanta, and he still had a great career. Chad Pennington played great for the Jets. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, great quarterback. Uh, wasn't the most – didn't have the biggest arm, didn't have the greatest arm, like, but he did everything, and he was the right kind of guy. And he was the kind of guy the Jets needed and um, led him to the playoffs. They won a few playoff games with him. 
and um, and Becht was, you know, Anthony Becht. Lavernius Coles was picked in the third round, and Lavernius Coles was huge. Uh, the Jets might have somehow or another matched that uh, here in this first four picks that they made uh, in this draft. Rock, um, yeah, you know. The the Mitchell swing Yeah, so I mean the fact of the matter is Joe Douglas, if there's one GM that probably won this draft is Joe Douglas. And the pressure's on Bob Sala and that team to go and put something together in a very difficult division because Miami has improved in a lot of ways with um getting Tyree Kill and some of their free agent signings. Buffalo is the top team in that division, New England's New England. You know, I mean, the draft, they don't really, when they draft, you don't know what the hell they're doing, but they usually are thinking like a step or two ahead. That might end up being way better than what it looks like on paper because all the people that are prognosticators say one thing and New England goes the other way. It's part of the reason why they won all those Super Bowls, but really it's in part because of Tom Brady. But, um, you know, Buffalo did a good job too in the draft, got a corner to hit a need there. Uh, Giants also had a great draft, had two first rounders and drafted Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal five and seven hit two massive needs. Uh, My previous job, the lead PT person, she's like the biggest Giants fan I've ever met. She goes and says, we better draft a, a a rusher, edge rusher at one pick and we better get a tackle. They did it. Joe Shane, uh, along with, um, what's his face? Uh, the, I'm forgetting the, now the head coach of the giants, but, um, the Buffalo old Buffalo bills, offensive coordinator, but, um, they have, uh, solid guys that, um, are gonna compete and are going to be in the lineup immediately. Giants have not been a factor for a long time. And, uh, Dable, there you go, Brian Dable. Um, they haven't been a factor in a long time. Neither New York team's been a factor for a long time. They will be this year, and especially for the Giants' sake, in a division that is pretty weak um, uh, relative to others, especially in the AFC. Um, they could compete for a playoff spot. Um, Philly, of course, getting A.J. Brown, getting some other pieces they got. They're going to be tough. Washington's probably not going to do anything. Dallas, you know, fuck Dallas. Um, uh, the Niners draft, their first round draft pick was, was Trey Lance. So we'll see what happens this year. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic about what they're going to do. I think their offense is going to look a lot better this year with him. Now, whether Debo Samuel wants to buy in on that or not, I don't know. Um, Debo Samuel is one of the most dynamic players in the league. He's an all pro. If he wants to be an All-Pro, he can be an All-Pro with the 49ers. I'm not so sure he'd be an All-Pro at most other places in the NFL. Um, and I think if he really wants to, if he's really honest about it, uh, fact is Trey Lance gives him a better chance to be an All-Pro for a longer period of time. And they won't have to run him uh, a lot because whether it's Elijah Mitchell, they wasted a <laughs> third rounder on, on a running back, they have, Trey Sermon, they have this guy, that guy, and the other at running back. You have Juice back there, the fullback. He won't have to run. 
I don't think Debo Samuel. Him and Ayuk are going to be out there. Uh, there's They got some help on the outside with Danny Gray out of SMU. They got offensive line. They focused on offensive line because it's been a, le- a spot of weakness. Cornerback, got a couple corners, and uh, got a defensive, an edge in Drake Jackson and defensive tackle and Khalid Davis. So it's depth, a lot of depth, a lot of um, solidifying spots of need. Uh, maybe they could have looked at safety, um, but they didn't decide to do that. Um, center with the flexibility of the couple of offensive linemen they have there. If Alex Mack decides to quit, um, they might have a replacement there along with Daniel Brunskill, who's already on the roster. Uh, But it's all to be determined. I think as we go along in the next couple of months, both Magaboy, Nick Bosa, and Debo will get re-upped for long-term contracts, which would be the second year in a row that two of their homegrown guys got broke off. GK got broke off last year, Fred Warner, and those are two of the leaders of the team. And then you're going to break off the two, probably the two best players on the team uh, the following year. Um, that's the way to do it. Keep them in-house, go and manage their salary cap situation, Parag Maroth. Um, that's why he's there. Uh, go and keep the cap reasonable while you have Trey Lance for another three years of control four years of control on a small contract, build a team around him, give him the chance to go and get the Lombardi and become an OG, uh, join the likes of Montana and Young as a Super Bowl champion winning quarterbacks for the 49ers, uh, get a chance that Colin Kaepernick didn't get uh, because, you know, they the NFL did him how he did him. But Mark Davis said he would like love to have him at the Raiders, so... That might be interesting since they don't really have a backup quarterback uh, behind Derek Carr. Uh, We'll see if that comes off. Okay. Uh, We went into the NFL draft. So let's go and do some roundup talk. GSP roundup was, uh, was uh, starts with the imps race at uh, Laguna Seca, which saw the Acura, team, the Acura duo, uh, the two Acuras, uh, Ricky Taylor, Philippe Albuquerque, win for Konica Minolta, Wayne Taylor Racing. Ricky Taylor's been great at Laguna Seca over the years. Uh, defeat Oliver Jarvis, Tom Blumquist in the uh, sister Meyershank Racing uh, Acura by just over a second. The third place finisher is defending series champion Pippo Durrani, and his new teammate, Tristan Nunez. And then uh, fourth place was the five J.D.C. Miller Cadillac of Tristan Vautier, Richard Westbrook. Uh, the zero two of Earl Bamba and Alex Lynn finished a lap down in fifth overall. The uh, winners of the LMP2 were John Frana, Louis Delatraz, and the Tower Motorsport Orica over... Dwight Merriman, Ryan DL, Aero Motorsport, Hendrick, Hendrick Henman, and Juan Pablo Montoya were round up to the podium in uh, the LMP2 category. GTD Pro saw Matt Campbell, Matthew Jaminet for the FAF Motorsports Plaid Porsche win over Jack Hawksworth, Ben Barnacote for Vassar Sullivan Lexus, and then Connor D. Filippi, John Edwards for the BMW 
M Team RLL BMW M4, uh, the Antonio Garcia Jordan Taylor car finished fourth for GTD Pro, and then in GTD uh, Am Ryan Hardwick Jan Halen, the winners of that class. So Porsches win in both GTD categories, and then the Acura in in DPI. Robert McGinnis, Jeff Westfall, second in the Carbon Lamborghini. Robbie Foley, Bill Oberlin finishes third in the BMW, the Turner Motorsports BMW. Uh, Ryan Eversley and Aiden Reed in the Rick Ware Racing Acura. Uh, they had a good race going, and then they got a huge penalty, basically a two-lap penalty, uh, whether it was an impro- they said an improper wave around, which seemed a bit egregious, but whatever. Um, sucks for um, Ryan Eversley, one of the favorites here on the GSP, somebody that we're going to get on the show, hopefully. Um, one of the best people there is in the sport, really. Uh, so unfortunate result for them there as they uh, move on uh, to mid-Ohio. Uh, Michael Skeen missed the race, the GTD points leader. Uh, he was replaced by the great Dirk Mueller in the Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes. They finished fifth in class. So Steve McAleer is uh, the solo points leader right now. Uh, Mike Skeen, after winning the TA2 race at Laguna Seca last week, uh, got uh, diagnosed with COVID, uh, tested positive with COVID, and uh, missed the race. So lost the points lead. So now he won't be able to win the championship if they're able to hold up there. Um, It would be Steve McAleer who would get the championship by himself. We'll get into Moto2. This, um, the Moto2 situation, uh, or MotoGP and Moto2 at Jerez this, uh, past weekend, uh, saw, saw the, uh, why did I do that? Saw the Fabio Quattararo, uh, follow up his victory with a second place finish be- behind Peko Bagnaia, um, at, uh, Jerez. And uh, it's interesting, considering he's complained about the bike and how it is. Quattararo is right in there, finished very close behind Paco Bagnaia. Ali Chispargaro finished third, Mark Marquez fourth. Jack Miller gets a fifth-place finish. It's been a rough start to the season for him. Joanne Mir, sixth. Taka Nakagami, seventh. Enea Bastaini, eighth. Marco Basecki, ninth. And Brad Binder rounds out your top ten. I mean, when it goes, when you get through, you do three car, three bikes didn't finish. Brattle uh, in a satellite Honda and didn't finish there too. Jorge Martin finished at last. Right now, the point standings in the MotoGP World Championship: Quattararo leads by seven points over Alicia Spargaro, who um, has the one win, two podiums, and four top five finishes. Quattraro only has, or he has two, two uh, first and two seconds uh, to give him the point seed. Bastaini, who has two wins this year, is third, tied with Alex Rins, who has three top five or four top five finishes so far. Uh, Rins um, didn't get the finish there at Hareth. First non-point scoring result for him this year. Bagnaya moves up to fifth and is third top five of the year. 
Joanne Mears, Zarco Binder, Brad Binder, Mark Marquez, Miguel Oliveira, the top 10. Jack Miller just outside the top 10, a point behind. In Moto2, we saw Joe Roberts last week win, um, but he wasn't able to uh, follow up with uh, back-to-back victories. Ayagura gets the victory at Hareth over Aaron Kinnett and Tony Arbolino. Augusto Fernandez and Marcel Schroeder were your top five. Uh, Joe Roberts finished eighth. The um, other Americans, Sean Dillon Kelly finished 22nd. Hey, Caribou, we ain't DNF'd. Uh, crashing out with the um, with Somacat Chantra, it looks like, uh, on lap seven. Sam Lowe's, um, also Jake Dixon, a few other people there had issues. In regards to the point standings, Celestino Vietti uh, is still the points leader. Two wins, two seconds, a sixth, and a non-point score at Coda has him 19 points ahead of Ayaguro, who took his first win of the year. He has a win, second and third place, and two sixth. Tony Arbolino's, uh, then, and Ayaguro's 19 points back. Arbolino's 30 points back, one win, a third, and a fifth. Aaron Kinnett, fourth, a second, third, and two seconds, a third and fourth, and two non-point scores. Joe Roberts is fifth. At 57 points with a win and three eighth place finishes and uh, an 11th and 13th place. Chantra won one race and finished second in the race after that and otherwise hasn't scored. The other riders, Bobier's 18th in points, Sean Dillon Kelly's 26th in points. Going into France for the next round of the World Championship. The NHRA ran the four wide at Charlotte, which saw John Force win uh, again for the first first time in a while. But you got to give credit to a man that's been driving since the beginning of time. Um, go and win the uh, yeah, Randall Andrus won top field Harley. Look at that. Uh, winners, detailed results. Yeah, Circle K. Yeah, Spence. So. In top fuel, Mike Salinas beat beat Cameron Ferre, then uh, Josh Hart and Spencer Massey to to win the top fuel. I didn't know Spencer Massey was was back racing again, but I guess he is. Um, Kyle Wurzel, Crystal Baldwin missed the field. Cameron Ferre qualified on the bump and finished runner up in that race, so that's that's pretty good. Uh, in Funny Car, of course, John Force gets his 155th career victory. And um, so he's freaking legend. One of the greatest ever. He's like he's like the motorsports uh, version of Jesus. His uh, son-in-law, Robert Height, or well, former son-in-law now, he's just whatever his employee and president of John Force Racing, finishes runner-up. Ron Caps in his first race driving a Toyota. Finished third, and Mike McIntyre gets a final round appearance, basically gets a semifinal appearance if you think about it. But a big day for him in Pro Stock Motorcycle. Steve Johnson gets the win, uh, second win in a row. Uh, so that was uh, 11th win of his career, second. And he's won this race two years in a row, same as John Force. The runner-up was Karen Stouffer. And Eddie Craywick and uh, Joey Gladstone made the final there. They had, they had uh, Superstock, they had Pro Mod, 
top fuel Harley, no pro stock this race uh, for the four wide nationals at Charlotte. Supercars were at uh, Barbagello, Wanneroo, uh, saw Shane Van Gisbergen get another win, couple of wins here uh, to start this uh, 2022 season. It's been all Shane Van Gisbergen for the last couple of years, really. Uh, but at the Bunnings trade per Super Night in qualifying, Anton Di Pasquale won the pole uh, for the races, but over Cam Waters, Van Gisbergen, Brody Kostecki, David Reynolds, there's your top five, James Courtney, Andre Heimgardner, Brock Feeney, Thomas Randall, Will Brown were your top ten. But in uh, race ten, uh, we saw Shane Van Gisbergen win and in, in also in race 12. But in race 11, Will Davison gets the win. So Shane Van Gisbergen has won two, four, five, six, seven, eight races so far this year. Uh, Chaz Mostert has won three. And uh, Will Davison has won one. The way the math shows, they their math shows... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means there, so I'm not even gonna bother to get into it. Uh, the points right now see Shane Van Gisbergen with a 164 point lead on Anton Di Pasquale and 211 point lead on Will Davison. So the Shell V Power Racing team are right behind SVG Waters and Mostert. Waters, Mostert, Brock Feeney, David Reynolds, and Brody Kostecki are all. Uh, in a battle basically within uh, 42 points from fourth to eighth, Tim Slade and James Courtney that round out your top 10 as they go to the uh, next race in the Repco supercars calendar will be at Winton in uh, but about two, three weeks time. And so they'll go to Winton and uh, Victoria. And then after that, they'll have a three, three week big break, three or four week break before they go to Hidden Valley in Darwin. So they have some gaps as they go along here in the supercars. But what is isn't a gap, and what is for sure is that SVG is probably going to win another championship. Uh, WEC at Spa, thirty seven cars entered. As you said, um, you know, Bent Viscal will be racing in place of Matthias Betch. Uh, Bent Viscal, who's been in Formula Two and uh, running Formula or Formula Three, so he's uh, a talent there. Um, Alex Lynn, Sebastian Bourdais will um, race for the first time this year. Alex Lynn for United Autosport, Sebastian Bourdais for Vector Sport, Alex Brundle. Uh, will make his debut inter Europol. Uh, the mentioned earlier about Pippo Durrani running in screw the Glickenhaus 708 car. Uh, they're only running one car for this race before they run to the next race, and um, which is, of course, 24 hours of Le Mans. And Peugeot, uh, as I mentioned, won't be in this race, but they'll come in after Le Mans in a few months' time. TF Chavez will do join Ben Keating and Marco Sorensen, number 33, Aston Martin. And then, yes, they're showing all that in regards to balance of performance. The points as we go into the 
six hours of spa in WEC. Uh, they don't show them. Oh, that's convenient. Okay, so I'll like, ignore that. Just before we get into the Grand Prix of Miami here, uh, we'll talk about the W Series, which will be making their 22 season preview their season debut at uh miami in the what is the whatever the hard park of the hard rock stadium they'll be running this race at the miami course and then they'll run barcelona in a couple weeks time before they go to silverstone uh, paul ricard and budapest in the month of july and then they'll take a long break uh, so they'll take them basically a five-week break between Barcelona and then Silverstone. Then there'll be a two-week break from Silverstone to uh, Paul Ricard, and they'll run back-to-back. And then after that, they'll take two months off before they go to Suzuka, Austin, and Mexico City to end the season. The uh, drivers here in uh, the W Series, the standout team, I think, is the... Jenner racing team, yes, that's Bruce Jenner's racing team, even though that's a chick now. Um, you mean though, Caitlyn Jenner? Even though <laughs> he's a maggot moron, uh, dipshit, um, who has a fake vag, uh, owns a team that uh, has possibly the best duo. He had two-time defending series champion Jamie Chadwick and American... Uh, Chloe Chambers, 17-year-old Chloe Chambers, so a uh, talented young American to look at for the future, hopefully can stand out. Um, the Americans that have ran in um, this W Series have struggled, uh, unfortunately, uh, whether it was uh, Shea Holbrook or uh, Sabri Cook. So hopefully Chloe Chambers can have a little better fortune and um she has great car control and ability there. And then you're racing with the two-time defending champion, somebody who is a Williams development driver. So that's a team to look at for sure. Uh, you have, I'm trying to go and look at somebody here. Yeah, Marta Garcia won a race last year. That's uh, one team there. Puma team. Uh, yeah, yeah. Puma team, which will have Emma Kimmelainen and Teresa Babikova, a uh, young uh, prospect there. So basically you get the Norwegian flavor there. Then you have the British duo Alice Powell, who um, Alice Powell uh, finished uh, second in points and uh, has been one of the better drivers in this series. And Jessica Hawkins, who um, has some apparent, it looks like she's done a lot of stunt driving. So Sarah Moore finished fifth last year. Abby Eaton, who was the Stig in the Grand Tour, uh, comes back. A big, uh, big proponent of um, uh, racing pride uh, for LGBTQ+. So she's a way better representative of that than Bruce is. Um, got Abby Pulling and Bruna Tomaselli for the Racing X team. Uh, Bruna Tomaselli actually ran Road to Indy a few years ago, so that's interesting. Um, Betske Visser, who has experience uh, second in the first season 
and um, has ran uh, your European Le Mans and um, for the uh, I'm forgetting the team, uh, the, the watches, whatever the the one car um, in the your in the Le Mans, whatever in WEC. It's a team that uh, Sebastian OJ is driving for, but she's been up there. Then there's interesting uh, another combination. Bianca Bustamante and Juju Noda are 17 and 16. Uh, uh, yeah, eat by 17 and 16. Those are going to have, they're going to have a two year contract to run in this series to kind of build themselves up and build up the next level and next generation of women drivers. So those are some of the people that we're going to look at here in the W series uh, as we go along. Of course, bias for me will be hoping that uh, the American can go and do some work. Chloe Chambers, we'll talk about it next week on the GSP. Uh, Going into the next race, Grand Prix of Miami, new circuit, fake uh, fountain. Fake marina. Fake, yeah, marina, all kinds of fake shit, overpriced tickets, um, prime, prime time viewing for people in Europe uh, because... Just as a to do the Grid Talk podcast, their start times are 11 for the qualifying race and 11.30, 11 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. for the qualifying and for the race, respectively. So it tells you how late um, the racing is going for them. Uh, for us, it's a little, probably a little bit better. But, um, I mean, the honest, the honest to God's truth is, are we... Is it going to be the same? I figure. Do we see the same thing? Do we see uh, the Leclerc Verstappen? Does Leclerc recover after a pretty mediocre race at Imola? Can he go out there and win the race, or is Max Verstappen going to continue the momentum he built at Imola with both the sprint race, the qualifying, the sprint race, and the race win? Um, can Sergio Perez go out there and get a W? Uh, or will Carlos Sainz get his first career win at a brand new circuit? What are we looking for? Can Mercedes do something? Can they finally do something? Can Lewis Hamilton at a track that I'm pretty sure he'd love to win at because he loves winning in the United States. He's won at two different circuits in the United States. This would be the third different circuit if he was somehow or another able to pull this out of his ass. I doubt it'll happen, but stranger things have happened uh, in motorsport. But uh, what are you looking at, Josh, for this weekend here at Miami? Well, I think for you know Ferrari versus uh, Red Bull, um, I could honestly go either way. You know, it's a new track. Um, you know, the teams, both of them, are going to be figuring it out. Um, I mean, maybe Red Bull, I would lean towards, but I definitely think that uh, Ferrari is going to be right there with them, especially Charles Leclerc. I think he's. Um, you know, still got it in him. I think the mistake he made at Imola was just an anomaly, really. And, you know, we don't really know what to expect in uh, the race itself. So I definitely think that, you know, he'll, he'll be up there running alongside or right, you know, right along pace with uh, Verstappen and Red Bull. Um, for, I think for Carlos Sainz, I think they got to stop the bleeding a little bit. You know, the last couple of races, they've had incidents uh, that, you know, took him out of the running. So I, you know, definitely think that. Uh, you know, he's got to stop bleeding there and, you know, especially in terms of the uh, constructors uh, championship and needs to be able to get back into it to, you know, maximize their points uh, in that situation. You know, as for Red Bull, 
We just got to keep uh, continuing what they're doing. Obviously, they've been doing a lot of promotion with, especially with uh, Checo uh, Perez in Miami uh, around the uh, the stadium, around the the new race course. Um, so you know they've got a lot of momentum that they're riding into this race. Uh, so I think you know as a team, they just got to uh, continue to uh, keep doing what they've been doing uh, as far as pace goes, and they just have to not make any mistakes as a team and execute the uh, race strategy. Um, you know, to keep Verstappen out front uh, there. And then I, you know, I think for the rest of the drivers and teams, I think you, know, you mentioned Mercedes. Uh, I think for, for that team, I think this is a perfect time to get back into it, to get back into uh, contention for you know, the Constructors' Championship at the very least, maybe get uh, George Russell uh, placed higher in the, the championship standings. So definitely think um, this is a race for them to get back into it. Maybe they've... Uh, figured out the porpoising issue a little bit. Maybe there's some upgrades there that they can bring in for this race that would help relieve uh, some of the, or alleviate some of the issues that they've uh, faced, you know, especially Lewis Hamilton. You know, I, like you said, he wants to win in America. Um, you know, Miami's kind of his scene as well. So definitely want to be the first guy to win uh, at this racetrack, this new circuit. So, um, you know, he'd definitely be big if Lewis Hamilton was to somehow score a win here. And I mean, to think about it, I mean, it's, it would be an upset win almost because I mean, the way that the season's going, I mean, they don't have, they haven't had the pace uh, to uh, show any winning speed yet. So it would be a bit of an upset, which is crazy to think for uh, Lewis Hamilton there. But I mean, as far as uh, the rest of the teams go, uh, I think um, McLaren probably wants to do well here, especially they've got a huge American following, um, especially you know with Lando and uh, Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, they want to you know be able to you know especially with uh, Zach Brown being American, they definitely want to be up there. And they have been the last couple of weeks. They've been up in the points, uh, and Lando got a, a podium. So after you know Charles Leclerc spun out, so uh, I think uh, McLaren's probably poised to do well. And I would say the same thing for, you know, to keep it American here. Uh, same thing for Haas. You know, they've been kind of up there too, uh, you know, especially with Kevin Magnuson. They've had a, a lot of good runs to start the year. Um, so I expect them to at least, you know, get into the points uh, for, for that team. Um, so, you know, expect them to, you know, be up there in, in that uh, regards. I mean, I think some of the other teams that you have to look out for, I mean, always got to look out for Alpine, um, they, I mean, they seem to be kind of off and on, but, um, they always have pretty fast race cars and at the very least, you know, their drivers know how to race against each other. So, um, there'll be some entertaining bits for sure, you know, around this racetrack, but you know, it's a, it's a new racetrack and a lot of things that can happen. Uh, a lot of, um, unknowns, um, especially since, you know, they haven't really done a whole lot of testing. I mean, they, you know, just completed the circuit and everything. So, uh, you know, they won't really know what to expect until uh, they get out for the first practice. And then I think you probably will have a better idea of, uh, you know, who's going to be up there running up front after the qualifying and after the sprint. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it's something, you know, they'll have the regular format this weekend uh, racing, at least for us on the East Coast, for both Josh and I. It'll be in the afternoon, early afternoon, and then mid-afternoon. Uh, the actual race itself will be at 3.30 and go till 5.30. So, unfortunately, I won't be able to um, fully partake in that, but um, hopefully um, it should be a good one. It's a track that seems conducive to racing. That's what they're selling. Um, we'll see what practice holds and qualifying. You know, Mercedes, uh, Josh talked about it. It seems like 
Mercedes is bringing upgrades to Miami in in you know as a precursor to uh, bigger upgrades in Spain and for Monaco for the porpoising. I think the track should be relatively smooth, but who knows? It's something even at the Saudi track, it wasn't exactly the most smooth track either. So something to look at there. Um, I mean, uh, I would go and say Leclerc recovers here and gets a win, gets his third win of the year. Uh, first stop, and of course, it's going to be up there along with the other, with Perez and Carlos Sainz. Uh, the, I mean, the midfield is huge um, in general, the way things are. Points-wise, I mean, after after Charles Leclerc, there's uh, 10 points between second and fourth, and then from fifth to seventh is 10 points, and it's all relatively close. So uh, what can Mercedes Zuba, what can McLaren, uh, Alfa Romeo, Alpine, Haas in a home game, uh, basically the closest race to their home, second home base in Charlotte, what can they do there? A lot of big people, a lot of famous people are going to be at this race. So we'll see uh, what Martin Brundle will do in his grid walk uh, and who he'll get pushed off by uh, this time. It won't be as stupid as Michael Waltrip taking, um, getting a cake almost smacked in his face yesterday, which would have been funny. Um, Denny wanted to do that, probably should have, considering how bad his year has been. Um, it fell on the floor. Uh, instead of on his car, maybe it would have made his car faster. Um, considering Denny Hamlin's car is pretty fast, might have made his car even faster. But see what happens with that. I mean, I think a dark horse for this weekend is is Lando Norris. I mean, is he really a dark horse? I don't know, but somebody who likes these faster circuits, he's a little more um, a person who's willing to take more risks. It could be a spot for him to get that first win. Uh, he almost got it at Mother Russia last year, qualified on pole, uh, wrecked while trying to qualify on pole. And what would have been a win at Spa might be a spot for him in an American race, of course, with the American uh, team principals, Josh mentioned, and Zach Brown trying to go and get a win, set up that month of May, continue the momentum they had from last week at Baba. Uh, the other piece of news that's came out is. Um, Audi and Porsche, it looks like, based on their, um, by person that runs the, uh, what's it called, the CEO of Volkswagen, Herbert Diess, says Porsche and Audi are going to enter Formula 1 in 2026. This is based on an article from Chris Medland. Also, there's uh, on Racer, I think it was also on motorsport.com. And it's, you just, yeah, I mean, that their divisions more the brands are using more money with F1 involvement. Porsche is expected to link up with Red Bull's power units of our supplier, at least in part. Audi's preferred route in F1 is less clear. Originally linked to McLaren, uh, might be to somebody else. Aston Martin, it seems like with uh, Stroll, is looking to sell out. So that might be an opportunity there as well. So two manufacturers, two big manufacturers getting an F1. Porsche, of course, has been an F1 previously in multiple guises. Uh, won uh, world championships with McLaren back in the day. And then Audi hasn't been an F1 or for a long time. 
they'll be coming back, which would be good for the sport. They've basically taken away all their other involvement, and they're focused on this Formula One program and GT racing. While Porsche is going all in, they have the prototype with Penske. They're in Formula E, and they're also going to be doing this uh, Formula One project. And then, of course, the GT situation, which has always been there. It'll be something to see how that goes as we go along. Uh, The uh, last major bit of business here for this week's show is the uh, throwback weekend at Darlington Raceway. Uh, We have, we'll start with the truck series and the paint schemes. And I mean, in regards to the truck series, I mean, I'd be remiss to not discuss the points. Uh, Also, um, congrats to Zane Smith and uh, his new fiance, McCall Golding. Um, I mean, she's, she looks way older than him, but she ain't a bad looking woman. Yeah, she can, she can, she can get a run for her money for sure. Um, In regards to the points right now, the uh, getting into this Friday's Dead on Tools 200. Uh, the points, you know, trying to get the driver points. So Ben Rhodes leads the points over Chandler Smith by 38. Uh, Stuart Friesen's third. Zane Smith, fourth. John Hunter fifth. Zane Smith, of course, has won two races this year. Rhodes and Chandler Smith have also won. So those are four of the six winners so far this year. Corey Heim isn't running full-time. He's won one race. And then um, William Byron won the other one. Uh, Why am I forgetting William Byron? I think it was... uh, uh, The hell race did he win? Jeez. Um, So, yeah, that's the the winners so far this year. Um, Oh, he won Martinsville. That's right. He got the double at Martinsville. There you go. He drove the... He drove the, uh, what's it called, Spire truck. And um, interestingly, as the kettle is going off in the left side over here for me, um, Hendrick Motorsports with the HendrickCars.com uh, is going to be uh, running an Xfinity car, the 88, here for five races with Byron, Larson, and Clyde here later in the season. So something to look at there. Rhodes comes into this with a big points lead, and um, I'm trying to see who has announced. It's more on social media, some of the announcements of of uh, pain schemes for this uh, throwback, for the throwback uh, series. Um, it was at Spencer Boyd is running a Michael Waltrip, uh, was it um, Hawaiian punch car or truck? Matt D. Burrito's running a Coors Light scheme. Haley Deegan's running um, a Bobby Allison AMC Matador uh, throwback, um, which will suck when it hits the wall. Uh, trying to see who else they don't see. So you'd think they'd go and, oh, there you go. That's what I want. Yeah, so Haley Deegan. Then Blaine Perkins is running a Doug George ortho scheme which is pretty cool. Um, then Danny Bone is doing a, a Lyme disease. Um, uh, Lyme is sponsored by TicksSuck.org. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Any sponsor. Yeah, and then throwing back to Durwood's Mountain Dew 
scheme which he won two championships with. Mentioned uh, D Burrito, Dean Thompson, uh, throwing back to Dean Thompson, uh, driving the Shaver Donovan uh, Sprinter back in the day. Um, so that's interesting, keeping it in the family. Carson Hosevar throwing back to um, to uh, Travis Pastrana. You can go and look into his pain scheme, and you can see vote for Pedro in there. So that's really I like cool. That. That's that's probably a winner for me. Um, Lawless Allen uh, throwing back to Jeff Gordon's 2007 Department of Defense scheme for Nice Motorsports. And Lawless Allen, of course, who got into it with uh, Haley Deegan after the Martinsville race a couple of races ago. Uh, personally, I think Carson Hosevar is the winner for me amongst the throwbacks that we know of. I mean, I would go for anything Bobby Allison, uh, but it's Haley Deegan, and it's likely to end up in the wall. Uh, but yeah, the Truck Series race, we've got, what is it, 36 drivers for 32 spots. Ross Chastain is uh, racing. The 7 truck is going to be in. Uh, Ryan Priest is running for DGR and the 17 truck. You have Ross Chastain racing probably for Nice. Ogata running a, a Mike Skinner scheme. I think he's one of two trucks that are going to be running a Mike Skinner throwback. I love that there's no Ron Hornaday or or uh, or Jack Sprague throwbacks. I mean, how does that happen in the truck series? Uh, I think it's blast. It's sacrilege, but it's the same way as William Clyde Elliott won't run a Ron Hornaday throwback in the Cup Series, but that's beside the point. Um, thirty-six for thirty-two. Yeah, there you go. Nice Motorsport Worldwide Express, and then Brennan Pool. Excuse me. Uh, will be in the race too, or at least try to make the make the race. Um, I'm gonna go and pick John Hunter to win uh, this race on Friday night. He's hasn't won this year. He's won some stages. He's been up front. Hasn't been able to finish. His pressure is on now. The truck series is going to start picking up in regards to running weekly. This is the time to go and and start setting a tone. And um, I think it's the place for John Hunter to go and set the tone and get a win. If it was a throwback truck, I personally would like to see Carson Osevar Get that W finally. Uh, but I have a hard time seeing him getting it. I mean, uh, Stewball has a good one, too, throwing back to a dirt late model. Uh, Chase Purdy uh, threw back. Uh, I, it was, I forget who he threw back to. Or he threw back to Durwood, a uh, truck that he ran uh, years ago. Uh, I'm not sure what Todd Bodine's going to be running. It probably should be a throwback to like his. Biddle, his uh, Hungry Jack car back in the day when he drove for Frank Cece and um, the Cece Welliver team. That would be a good one. The Hungry Jack car, the Fiddle Faddle car, or the Factory Stores of America Ford. I'm throwing it way back. And for uh, the people that do listen, it tells you how far I've been in racing, how long I remember. He could get, You could really get crazy, and he could go and run his Pepsi uh, Crystal car that he ran at Watkins Glen. That's a that's a good one. If you really want to go and throw back, that's one to go. You go and search that. You go and learn something here on the GSP. But who are you looking at, Josh? 
uh, for uh, this Friday night at uh, Darlington for the truck series. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you got to go with who's familiar in the series. And I think right now, you know, it's uh, Ben Rhodes, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, uh, Chandler Smith, you know, basically the guys that have been running up front the whole year that I look at. Um, I think, you know, Ben Rhodes has uh, been pretty good at, you know, this track in the past. Um, so I, you know, definitely expect him to run up front uh, here. Um, I mean, as far as uh, throwbacks, I mean, I like the Spencer Boyd throwback to Michael Waltrip. That seems to, you know, have a kind of the same flow uh, with the scheme and everything. Uh, so, you know, that's, I guess, the scheme I like the most uh, for, for that car or, for, you know, for that series. But, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's basically the, the, you know, the people who are, you know, series regulars, I think the ones that, you know, the ones that have been up front uh, so far this year. And, you know, for me, that's um, Ben Rhodes for the most part. And, um, I th- you know, I think for uh, John Hunter Nemechek, you know, he hasn't won a race this year. Uh, he's been a little bit inconsistent, I think. Um, so expect him to try to try to run up front and, you know, make up for uh, any points that he's lost so far you know, to start the year. Um, Sewer Friesen, you know, quietly up in third place in the points. Um, he could be up there as well. Um, uh, Zane Smith, you know, has won two races so far this year. So he's been, in terms of race victories, definitely been the most successful of uh, the top five in points. Um, but I think, you know, between those five, I, I think that Ben Rhodes probably has the best chance of winning uh, here at Darlington on Friday. Yeah, it's those are solid picks. I mean, at the end of the day, I think more than likely it's going to be a Toyota. Uh, hard to see a Chevy uh, that could really do anything. We were waiting on Grenfinger and GMS to do something. It's been a shock for them. Nice, of course, with um, Ross Chastain racing this weekend. It might be a little different uh, with Carson Osovar, uh, but it's going to be hard for the Chevys to compete against the Toyotas of um, of Kyle Busch Motorsports and Door Sport. Uh, getting into... The Xfinity series, uh, we went over all the points and all that. It's the Mahindra Roxor 200. Two cars are going to miss the race going into um, this weekend. They don't have um, paint schemes, the paint scheme thing up for this race. Um, I'm trying to remember. I know that uh, they're, what is it, Sam Mayer is running a Rick Mast throwback. Um this coming weekend, the zero two will be running a Mark Martin throwback. Uh, those two car will not be running a throwback. It looks like, uh, yeah, that's the RCR number three or four. Yeah. They don't have one. I'm going to see, uh, what's it called? Uh, Ryan Vargas is going to be running a Jeff Gordon, a Pepsi throwback this weekend. No, they're not running one. Wouldn't matter anyway. Uh, zero or the seven seven car. I forget. Hey, they're running a a goose. I think that that's just, it's essentially like the blue goose. Um, eighty. Yeah, it is a blue goose. Yeah, they're running um, a Hellman's blue goose throwback. Uh, so that'll be a good diecast to collect if you have the blue goose, which is a grail for a lot of people. Uh, for Justin Allgaier. And 08 is going to be running a Bobby Dodder uh, Hide Tools throwback. I'm like, yeah, that looks familiar. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's the Hide Tools uh, throwback for Bobby Dodder, the car owner. The 8 car will be a throwback to 
Looney Tunes 2002 for Junebug with a combination of Tire Pros and um, his other partners there for Josh Berry. Um, give me a second here. I mean, I'll, I'll say for myself with the the, uh, the eight car that was you know one of my favorite schemes from back in the day. You know, watching uh, Dale Jr. Uh, dominate at Richmond back in 2002. Uh, so this is a you know great scheme to throw back to. Uh, it was really unique. And it was really the start of Junior Motorsports back then. Um, you know, it was back yeah. when it was just his license chance too. Yeah, it chance was chance too. too. Yeah, and uh, because that's where MTJ got the shot with uh, Richie Gilmore and all of them uh, because they ran NRO three and all that. Yep. They ran SIM game. They ran a, the SIM deal and yep. junior had to move down and stay at his house. And that's where it all started. Um, yeah. But I mean, back then I think um, junior motorsports was Dale jr's like licensing company back then. Yeah. Cause if I remember correctly, uh, junior motorsports logo was on the deck lid of the original uh, version of this scheme with Josh Berry and Gossamer. So, you know, it's a, it's a great throwback for sure. And that's, I think for me, that's the one I like the most. Yeah. I'm trying to go and look through because they don't have them all up. And, uh, what is it? Yeah. The 13 will have Timmy Hill this weekend, throwing back to Ricky Hendrick. So that's cool. Um, six is so colleague doesn't have anything announced as of yet. Uh, the Joe Gibbs. And the 18, yeah, yeah, um, I'm pretty sure they won't have one. I mean, to to be honest about Bruckshot, he ran a great one with Robert Hoffman a few years ago and won. So uh, they don't have one. The 23 is, I swear that the 23 announced they're going to run one, but they didn't. Uh, I know that uh, Jab Burton is throwing back to his dad, so that. That's just cool. Uh, throwing back to Warburton to the scheme that his dad won uh, the Guantley uh, 27 uh, Chevy. Or I think it was a Chevy when he won his first career Bush Series race, his dad. So that's a cool one. And um, uh, Jordan Anderson. Yeah, they're not throwing back. Who cares? They suck. Uh, the Wooji should throw back and put somebody who can drive a race car. Yeah, this is this is painful. Um, yeah, and then uh, Hebler Gibbs is going to be running a throwback to Bobby Labonte's 2002 interstate battery scheme. So I guess credit to throwing back to a real champion and not an asshole. Uh, J.J. Ailey will be running a throwback to Bobby Hamilton's country time car in 1993 92 93 um the and that's that's cool um the late bobby hamilton former uh truck series champion uh, so that's a good one you have to give mbm motorsports credit they always do the throwbacks the right way um i guess they have more flexibility of course sponsorship wise to do that too um to be fair um think the Hendrick, yeah, that's the Hendrick cars. DGM, yeah, they're not going to, Stuart Haas ain't going to run a throwback because it's freaking Riley Herbst. So, yeah, I personally, I mean, I you have a favorite with Josh Berry. I think I like the Jeb Burton one. I'm, I'm always going to be a mark for Ward Burton uh, personally. But um, in regards to this race, 
who are you looking for to go and take one down? Is it going to stay in junior motorsports? I think you talked about it earlier, but um, will it continue to be a junior motorsports benefit or maybe is somebody else going to do something? I mean, I think for me, I'll go with uh, Justin Algar probably uh, being up there uh, winning this race. Um, I think, you know, Josh Berry will be up there too, but I feel like, you know, Justin Algar has had a lot of success at this racetrack. So definitely feel like, you know, he's probably the guy to beat. I mean, look out for Ty Gibbs, of course. Um, you know, he's real aggressive and if, you know, he has a chance at the end, he's going to, um, make an aggressive move probably. But, um, yeah, I think overall, Justin Algar is probably the guy to watch here, um, in the number seven car here in the Xfinity series at Darlington on Saturday. And they'll be running in the day. So, um, it'll be a little harder than running at night. Uh, Weatherman is driving the 34, so that's good. So they'll actually have a chance to make the race. Slides in the race with the Hendrick cars, 88. So I've given myself an, an immediate out to go and take the cup regular. And um, that's what I'm going to do. I'll uh, take Clyde. Uh, it's a cop out, but I don't really care. It's an easy pick. Um, yeah, you, you you have to go chalk. Um, the um, I'll do my dark horse and it'll be Ryan Truex. Driving the 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing. He's been close in this series before um, in a Joe Gibbs car. This is a track where Joe Gibbs has done very well at uh, with multiple drivers. Would be a good spot for him to get that first win. That 18 car has been fast uh, in general, whoever's been in it, whether it's Trevor Bain or um, John Hunter or Ryan Truex. So it would be a good spot for him to go and get that W uh, for the first time here in the Xfinity series. Last but not least, of course, is the Goodyear 400 at uh, Darlington on Sunday afternoon, 3.30 um, Eastern Time. Got a bunch of different paint schemes, of course, um, coming up for uh, Darlington. Um, trying to look through who's going to have what. And I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything yet. That's RCR, no. I'm trying to think of who's actually announced the scheme in the cup side for Darlington. Yeah, so Stuart Haas has um, uh, uh, Harvick doing the chase and a cure car that he ran at RCR back in the day. Kyle Larson will throw back to Tim Richmond running a Bush Series car with uh, Hendrick uh, Chevrolet on it, which had the all-star racing kind of scheme. Um, the what is it called? Uh, Brad Keselowski's gonna be running a Viagra scheme uh, to throw back to Mark Martin. Uh, probably one of the leaders in the clubhouse that may not be the leader in the clubhouse is Corey LaJoy's throwback to Marty Robbins, marketing himself, of course, uh, with the Stacking Pennies podcast. Uh, eight car, no, nine cars back to Jimmy Means, Jimmy Smut Means, um, during the 93 season when they had Napa Auto Parts on their car. Um, so that's that. The 10 car, um, Eric Almirola is throwing back to nobody. Um, thought he had a throwback, but whatever. Might be throwing back to one of his wins or some shit. One of his two wins, maybe from last year. Um, yeah, Farmer John. Yeah, so he isn't throwing back. Uh, the 14 car is Joe Gibbs. The 11 car is throwing back to his Daytona 500 win 
in 2016, the first of his three Daytona 500 wins. Uh, so credit to Hamlin on that. Was it uh, Chase Briscoe is throwing back to the uh, Tony Stewart target scheme from back in the day, uh, the lightning scheme that uh, Target had uh, in the heyday in the mid nineties with first Jimmy Vassar and Alex Zanardi, and it carried on for many years. And Juan Pablo Montoya won a championship and won an Indianapolis 500 with it. And then Tony Stewart ran the Indy 500 for Chip Ganassi in 2001 uh, and uh, finished on the lead lap and finished that race in sixth, flew to Charlotte, started tailback, finished third in the Coca-Cola 600. So he's the only driver ever to finish on the lead lap in both of the races in the same day and finish in the top 10 in both of those races that day. So uh, that's who uh, Chase Briscoe's throwing back to in that one. I'm trying to see who else. Call it cars, I'm pretty sure they're not doing anything. Uh, what is it called? Chris Busher's doing a Matt Kenseth throwback. Uh, this week uh, with Socios too. So both of them are sponsored by the same, both cars are sponsored by the same company, but uh, they're throwing back respective drivers in those cars. Kyle Busch is throwing back to the Ernie Irvin uh, M&M scheme. So it's hard for me to say, but personal bias might kick in. But I think it, but personally, I'd, I'll take anything that's Tony Stewart. So Chase Briscoe is number one for me. And then, uh, number two, far back is the <laughs> Ernie Irvin <laughs> throwback because it's Kyle Busch. Uh, trying to see, did uh, yeah, and Harrison Burton's throwing back to his dad. Actual good throwback there too, which is which is a good usage of the colors, good usage of the scheme, properly done uh, by the Wood Brothers and all of them with the Dex imaging. So even though he's going to run twenty eighth, it's it's not a bad thing. Uh, he's actually got a good scheme. I got to give give Young Buck credit there on that. Uh, the twenty three car. I swear they're throwing back to Tony Rains from two thousand seven. Um, oh yeah, the uh, Hall of Fame racing, Hall of Fame racing car, and one of one of uh, Bubba's old late models uh, is what they're throwing back to there. Uh, Kurt Busch is run, throwing back to Bill Elliott's nineteen ninety six McDonald's car. Yep. The 24 is doing, a, of course, a Jeff Gordon flame thing, and they're probably not going to get the colors right. Uh, trying to see who else. Yeah, they don't have one. Alex Bowman's doing the uh, throwback to Mark Martin's Valvoline car. Yep. Uh, an ally uh, gracefully allowed them to you know run the uh, Valvoline colors with the, you know, the ally uh, partnership. So, you know, it's a great uh, collaborative effort there, uh, you know, between all the partners involved allowed to do that it's actually a pretty good throwback there uh i have to say so yeah um definitely one of the better ones yeah and that's alex bowman he does care about history so it's a good one and mark martin gets uh multiple throwbacks during this weekend which is cool uh cole custer throwing back to jason leffler and the first driver to win with haas cnc sponsorship um so that's cool uh, yeah. Good uh, to throw back to the late um, NASCAR and USAC champion and Jason Leffler uh, there. It sounds like there's going to be throwbacks from Petty GMS, but we don't know. 
what they're going to do. The 47, um, we haven't heard anything from there. You'd think they'd probably run something or do something. Um, Kyle Larson in the HendrickCars.com throwing back to uh, Tim Richmond. Yeah, um, I mentioned that a, earlier. Yeah. So that one's a good one. Uh, they haven't. They did the all-star racing car years ago, but now they're doing it to the Xfinity side. Um, they have a lot more leeway because, of course, he doesn't really have a sponsor. So um, my personal bias kicks in with the 14, and um, I'll have a soft spot for anything Ernie Irvin, even though Kyle Busch is driving it his last year that he's going to have m Mars on the car. So um, those are my picks. Um, you can uh, – and – you went first with the Xfinity, or I went first. I think I think I said what I liked for the Xfinity. So, um, yeah, for so, the for the picks or for the paint scheme. I think picks. Yeah, I did. So, um, for this weekend's race uh, at Darlington Raceway, it's going to be tough for sure. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go crazy here. I'm gonna. It, it'll it'll work as a dark horse, and it'll be a win pick. I'm gonna pick Kevin Harvick. He hadn't won in a long time anyway. Josh mentioned it. It's one of his best racetracks. And it's a track. But this car, the way things are, all these different winners, why not another winner? Uh, Kevin Harvick ain't going to retire anytime soon. Um, the ten, I mean, Eric Almirola is. I think it sounds like Martin Truex might uh, because of Ty Gibbs. Um, if Kyle Busch could go and get a charter, I think he'd go out on his own. And he'd or get a couple charters, and he'd go and get him and his brother, and they'd run together. But I think Kevin Harvick goes and pulls one out this weekend. Had a race that a couple of years ago, after the pan, returning from the pandemic, they won that race. They dominated. Um, Ford needs to do something. They won two of the first like what four races of the year with two of the young guns in Cindric and uh, Briscoe. But since then, they've gone silent. Uh, Blaney has had some consistency but they haven't been able to uh, finish the deal in races uh blaney of course is um where is he ryan blaney's second in points yeah ryan blaney's second points he hasn't had the finish that he that he the finishes and the final results that he's wanted so other than that he's the only ford in the top 10 in points you know you have al marola harvick briscoe all the teammates 11 through 13th. There's only four Fords up there. It's a spot for Darlington. It's a race where t- tires and everything. It's a spot for Ford to finally show up. I pick Kevin Arvick. Um, dark horse selection based on this weekend's um, list of drivers and teams. Dark horse selection to go out there and do something big. Um, I'll go and say Daniel Suarez. He's running a Coca-Cola car. So that'll be pretty cool. Maybe you'll throw a Coca-Cola paint scheme, throw back to Bobby Allison, um, which would be good. Uh, it would be interesting that he would go and win at, at Darlington. Uh, first, first career win. Uh, he's been up there. He's been contending. Uh, Trackhouse has been one of the best teams this season. Wouldn't be shocking if Daniel Suarez goes and gets a win there with Travis Mack at the helm. Uh, what are you looking at, Josh, uh, for your choices uh, not only on schemes but on picks and then you can go and lead into your uh, your sim segment yeah of course um i think for me uh my favorite schemes are 
Kyle Larson scheme, Tim Richmond, uh, I'm, you know, big, I mean, I'm not a big Tim Richmond fan, but, you know, I liked his style and, you know, I like Kyle Larson's driving style. So that's a good one there. Um, uh, Alex Bowman, like I mentioned earlier, that's a good, a good throwback and a good effort by all the partners involved. Um, you know, the Kyle Bush throwback as well. That's a good one there. Um, I definitely like Kurt Bush's throwback to Bill Elliott. Uh, so that's a good throwback there as well. And then I think, you know, for the race pick, you know, I'm going to go with Kyle Larson again this week. Um, ran second last year, uh, was really close, you know, to passing uh, Martin Truex in the, you know, the final 20 laps of that race and didn't come out with the win. So I think, you know, he's definitely got a chance and, you know, definitely with the way Hendrick's running, he's got a good chance of winning this race. You know, as for me, for uh, Dark Horse, I mean, it's really tough to pick, but, you know, I'm going to go with Ricky Stenhouse. Uh here as a dark horse um ran well you know last week at uh dover so let's see what he can do richard yep oh richard that's right so we'll see we'll see what he can do here uh at at uh darlington which not really a whole lot of success at but you know with the way this next gen car has been running he's been able to you know run well at some tracks and you know there's a lot of parity involved on a week-to-week basis from you know all the teams so that's that's what i'm gonna go with um there and then of course it will lead into the roundup uh or not the roundup but the uh, uh the sim segment and you know for me i'm right now on iRacing i'm just going out and uh testing for the indianapolis 500 for uh iRacing it's coming up um in two weekends or not yeah so uh, not next weekend or this weekend, but the following weekend after that. So the weekend of fifteenth, uh, uh, and that's the weekend that the iRacing Indy Five Hundred is going to be held for the fixed setup uh, edition. And then a week later, the following weekend is going to be the open setup edition. And of course, right now I'm just focused on the the fixed setup uh, edition because I feel like that's probably where my best chance is going to be to win. Um, the open setup one is going to be good uh, practice uh, for later in the year with the Open Wheels Five Hundred. You know, getting the learning about the IndyCar car setups and you know everything I need to learn for that. Uh, try to post a good four lap average to get into the Open Wheels Five Hundred. And then, you know, having a good race setup that um, lasts, uh, you know, throughout an entire fuel run without, you know, giving up too much on the tire and, you know, accounting for the adjustments you're going to have to make uh, throughout the race. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now. Of course, um, in the regular content with uh, the 87 car, um, definitely try to get onto that and maybe the Xfinity series uh, at Darlington or, you know, possibly the Cup car at Darlington. And then also, um, I mean, wherever the uh, the indie cars are for the fixed or the open series just to get more reps in in the car uh, along with uh, the private testing uh, at the virtual Indianapolis Motor Speedway so um, that's so I'm got up on the agenda I think this week for uh, sim racing um, so I'll do it for that um, as course of course you can follow me at um, you sailor 2 on Twitch. That's where you can follow my Twitch at and watch all my streams. Make sure to tweet out the link on my personal page and then also on the GSP uh, page where you can watch all my videos uh, for sim racing. Go on there and you know watch and you know comment and subscribe to the channel, I guess, and um, see what you know kind of racing I do and watch you know as I try to you know run the high line in the IndyCar or you know try to um, 
you know, go four wide in the 87 car at Talladega or wherever. So that's, uh, that's what I'm all about, uh, in the, uh, I racing. So, so you can follow me and then of course, uh, follow me on Twitter at JP Huffine. That's where I got all my racing takes. And of course, all the insights from, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, 2022 NFL draft and, you know, other topics that I'm interested in. You look at that and see what all, all the things I'm, you know, currently interested in right now. Um, look at that and follow me and you know, we can have a, you know, good, discourse good conversation on on twitter there so that's where you can follow me and then of course you know leading into the uh the gsp um of course you know we've been on youtube now for the last um almost two months now that we've been on youtube a month and a half i think now and you know we're trying to grow the channel and definitely um follow us there um subscribe to the uh channel grip strip podcast and you know like comment and subscribe on our videos and of course um share the videos uh on Twitter or wherever else uh, you decide to share on. So, um, you know, that'll, that'll do it for my part of uh, the credits there. And, uh, you know, let you, Philip, go ahead and finish out the close for me. Absolutely. Got to follow Josh on the sim side uh, between the Indy 500 and then the 87 cars. Uh, he's got, he's got it locked down, uh, solid, strong driver and patient driver. A lot like Mark Martin kind of goes and does his thing and comes through when it counts. That's what uh, Josh's game is, very analytical and uh, makes sense because he's a sharp guy. Part of the reason why uh, he's a co-host and one of my good friends because he has to pick up for me because I'm a drunk. Um, With that, um, I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Uh, Our show is at Grip Strip Pod. On Twitter, uh, Josh mentioned our YouTube page, Gripster Podcast, uh, where all our shows now over the last uh, couple of months or whatever since we've gone here to um, Discord, we've been posting our shows. So you get to look at our beautiful mugs uh, on on YouTube and listen to the show that way. You can also listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, and um uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So I am probably have to go out to some of the other ones where the European shows uh, are posted, uh, like uh, Grid Talk and some of the other shows that are part of the uh, some of the people that are on the Grid Talk group. Um, you'll hear me on the Grid Talk podcast this weekend uh, for the qualifying show for the Miami Grand Prix. I won't be able to... <laughs> unfortunately um catch the race so eh, give you can forgive me if i don't have it all uh for that race but to be honest i've hosted a show recently and i didn't watch a lap of that race either so it tells you how good i am um as a performer and as a contributor when i can go and do what i have to do even when i don't get to see the race so with that um we'll Bring it back next week for episode 113 of the Strip Podcast. Cover all things uh, Miami Grand Prix. Uh, We will talk about NASCAR at Darlington. We'll get into the Indy uh, GMR Grand Prix um, at Indy. And a busy week of motorsport that will be coming along uh, in... uh, the following week there, which we'll see the likes of MotoGP, Moto2, and the French Grand Prix at Le Mans. There'll be IMSA at Mid-Ohio. 
You'll have NASCAR um, at Kansas, the Cup Series. You'll have Formula E in Berlin. So a bunch of stuff to get into. Um, trucks and trucks will also be at Kansas. And um, so that'll be some of the stuff we'll look at here next week on the Gripshire Podcast for episode 113 in a busy month of May leading into the greatest uh, day in motorsports and probably we'll have some guests on for that at that point. We thank you for listening to Gripshire Podcast. For Josh, I'm Phil. Um, stay safe. Take care of one another. Be good to one another. Still going through a tough time. Uh, do the best we can for each other so we can go and live and enjoy this thing we call motorsports and sports and have fun and live life. With that, um, take care. God bless. Goodbye.